we are back for another week of SVS Fly Fishing Podcasting. So my sister-in-law was over today, and we were watching some Rush videos. Just, uh, you know, as a tribute to Neil Peart. And uh, my sister-in-law was like, what is wrong with their hair? <laughs> it was like old ones. I was like, well, they're Canadian. She's <laughs> like, oh, okay. <laughs> and, you know, that, that was it. <laughs> That's all we needed to explain that. So, uh, what's going on, fellas? How's, the, how's it going? Fresh. Good going around the table. Another week of paradise. Yeah. Like That's it. I, 65 in January. Come on. All the way down to what feels like 20, so yep. I'm probably out now. Yeah. It's, well, it's supposed to rain tomorrow, right? Yeah, yeah it'll be 50-something. And by Friday, it's going to be cold, and it looked like an extended forecast. So it's going to be like seriously, seriously cold. Oh, no. I'm, I'm hoping that this this ice comes, because there's a chance at, like, the 20th. I almost set the date for this. Like, right around the 20th, 21st, we're going to go from one of those 50 days and have a big blow into some yeah, like highs in the too. 20s with lows in the teens for... Potentially a week, and I, mm-hmm. I just pray. Pray for ice. That'd be nice and clear a little bit of room, too, because it has been packed out there lately. Well, oh, when yeah. it's 67 yeah. degrees and record temperatures in January, everybody's out doing something, man. Lots of guys fishing. I've seen a bunch of them today at the Most are done hunting, so now everybody's fishing. Yep, not a lot of cabin fever mm-hmm. going on this time of year. No. <laughs> not with no, this no. weather. Two, three months ago, you <clears throat> couldn't find a person out on that creek. Well, now, the weather sucks. Three weeks ago. Yeah. <laughs> weather sucks for hunters, that's for sure. Yeah, for true. deer moving, you know what I mean? 60-some degrees, so the PA muzzle loader is going to be going until the 20th here, so a couple more days. I was driving home at 5, five o'clock tonight from our float. Deer? And no... It was still light. Oh, five, it's getting light five. longer every day, and it's it feels great. Shooting. It felt great today. I, w- I looked at PJ. I said, "What time is it, PJ?" And he didn't know. A, I mean, he's like five o'clock. I'm like, "Look, uh, look at it outside." Shooting it's light still, was like five forty-five. It was like, nice. What? You were just met talking about PJ. We should go into some music that PJ doesn't know. We will. We will. <laughs> uh, no, I want to. <laughs> man, I would grew up on. We all grew up on Rush. Like I grew up on this stuff. My dad is was a. Gosh, if it wasn't Boston, it was blaring 2112 or any Rush album or you know, ACDC, but a lot of Rush. And me and him, like, he even, like, texted me. He's like, dude, you hear, you know, I'm like, oh, no, I didn't hear at that point. And, oh, no, you know, and me and him, I call him, talk to him about it. Did you pour one out for, uh, for Neil? Oh, for sure, you know. That's, uh, pour one out for the homies. That's a, that's a huge loss in the, in just the music world. Yep. Incredible. Oh, and he was the lyric. He wrote most of the lyrics as well, and, and just what a musician! I'm sure he played all the instruments, probably. <laughs> but he played the drums the best. Yeah, I'd imagine <laughs> he'd play them all. But yeah, oh jeez. We were watching, uh, like I said, some YouTube videos, and his drum kit was so big, so big, like chimes and everything on it. He played yeah. a full circle. Yeah, <clears throat> and he had a moving yep. chair. He would be all over the place. So, tonight's show brought to us by Predator Fly Gear. Check them out at PredatorFlyGear.com. A-Rex Hooks. Anything you need from saltwater, freshwater, A-Rex S. Jeez, Sims Fishing. Hi, Hi Jay. Hey, 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 I'm here. <laughs> hey, Sims, Sims, Sims Fishing. You can find them at SimsFishing.com. Also, Yeti. Check them guys out, Yeti.com. Uh, also, Urban Fly Company. We are at their studio doing this podcast right now. Check him out for some awesome flies. And I want to get a huge thank you to 
Who we got? Who's my man here? <laughs> Gents? Oh, I don't want to mess the lens. Greg... Za- Zachary Buchanan. No, who sent us the flies? Zachary Buchanan. Zachary Buchanan. Forestry and fish, right? Forestry and fish. He sent us some shitload of flies. It's like the it's like the the starter pack for everything. And he also sent you guys some refreshments for this evening. Oh yeah, big thanks, big thanks. These are pretty good. Mine's gone already. Nothing delicious. Galaris uh, spotted cow. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, we don't we don't get this stuff over here. Nothing like drinking the uh, the milk of Wisconsin when we have a. Chippewa custom or river custom rods on tonight, so it's all, all Wisconsin themed here on it the is. table and in the in the mouth and in your belly, <laughs> in the ear also. We're gonna be hearing from him here shortly, but uh, Jason was out doing some floating today. He got he got lucky. We'll we'll tell those stories here. But I was out hunting earlier in the week. Muzzleloader finished up. I I had to throw a tag on one. And Chad, I, I told him I had a special. Special gift for him if he if it didn't get shot out. So uh, harvested the heart. Chad, you spun it up, huh? Speaking of that, I have your cooler over at the house. Yeah, that's that's just for. It's just for heart trans- transport. To transport <laughs> transportation. <laughs> it's transplant like a, like a medevac. Yeah, throw throw some. I threw some uh some uh what tenderloins in there to keep that heart a little bit cold for you and dropped oh, it in the back of your truck. Those tenderloins made the best deer tacos oh, I've were, ever had in my entire life. I bet. Man. Not, not just deer tacos, the best tacos I've ever had. Them were some large tenderloins. But uh, I will say, I had, I, I'd never prepared a heart before. Have any of you guys ever cut up a heart? I'm <clears throat> not interested, no. I've I, never even just tasted the iron. Curiously bisected no. one. I've looked at a few, yeah. but... No, it tasted like steak, just more dense. Yeah. So kind of like like when dense. you eat walleye and then you eat a Lake Erie perch and you're like, mm, that's that's more steaky. That's yes. more something like or, that. Or like when you eat uh, bull balls. No, it tasted like steak. It tasted like the best venison you've ever had, hmm. but just like denser. So uh, I, I didn't know how to uh, clean a deer heart. So you looked up. To, to the man meat eater? Yeah, I, I do what I always do and check out the meat eater. Steven Ranella and... uh, See what he's doing. Wild and whole. As long a, as he ain't cooking it in like the gut sack of of something, I'm, I'm good. I'll, I'll do it. That's one thing. Uh, <laughs> deer, the hearts actually have a sack around them that yours... Membrane. Yeah, yours had it. Kinda. So they showed you how to cut that membrane off and pull it out. The nuts do too, but I don't eat them either. <laughs> you got to put them in your mouth at least once, Jay. But uh, you only eat after birth. <laughs> ah, he's so picky. <laughs> so I, I cut the the membrane sack off, and then uh, you you split the uh, the atriums, diff- the different or... valves in the heart. There's like two big chambers, so you split them, and then the atrium's what divides them, and then that's a whole piece of meat right there. So they end up coming out as flat pieces of Listen steak. To you, Mr. Atrium. Yeah, there's atriums and ventricles and, oh, I and know. shit. <laughs> but, you got to watch the video on YouTube. Yeah, I, I did it while I was at work, so I got paid to do it. <laughs> and then I watched the, uh, the video on how to cook it, too, like the recipe for deer. There you go. And it came out really good. So if anyone uh, is interested in cooking deer heart, go check out the Meat Eater YouTube. And, uh, in a skillet on a grill, what you cooking on? I cooked it on my electric stove on a cast iron. There uh, you go. Pan. That's a good way. Yeah. With a... What, I made a, a coffee ground and brown sugar rub, and I fried it real fast and hot, but just like medium rare. That's how I like it. And then 
so I got all the crumblies from the coffee and brown sugar still on the, the frying pan. And I poured a little bit of bourbon in and uh, about two tablespoon, tablespoons of butter, melted all that, got it all. And I, I scooped up all the crumblies that were still on the frying pan and poured it over top of the heart. So it was like a sweet, buttery, bourbony glaze on top of it. I fed the whole thing to my son. The last bite, I said, guess what this is, buddy? Steak? looked at me real weird. I said, it's a deer's heart. He said, I ate a deer's heart? <laughs> he was like freaked out for a second. And then my wife told him, what's lucky, buddy? He's like, it's lucky? I'm lucky now? Yeah. He's like, give me more. <laughs> so we're out of it. So it was good. The deer heart, I think, is a, an overlooked piece of meat. I told, oh, man. I, I called Jace. I told him, never discarded. throw another one away. I have discarded. one of those. Plenty. I've discarded plenty. I've even, you know what I mean, never never thought to put the knife to it. Cut up a lot, a lot of deer meat, but never ate a deer heart. Or I, I've never even prepared a liver. I don't know. Just, I don't know. Go for the loin. I've eaten. Go for the loin. I've eaten, like, cow liver and stuff. Yeah. Oh, I've, I've tried liver, but uh, saying I don't, per se, keep a bag in my pocket to pick. You know, I, I get some old timers, they used to always tell me. Or even one dude, he's like, where'd you kill them deer? Like drooling, he knows he's about to go get a liver. I'm like, they're right down there, bud. The, the gut piles are right there. It's all yours, man. Yeah, brother, man. Hunt him up. Hunt him up. He'll go pick him up. I tried a handful and just never could get the like of them. Organs? You mean? Mm-hmm. No, I don't eat chicken gizzards, turkey gizzards. I love chicken butt. Stuff. I love chicken butts. Chicken? I won't eat anything like inside of a chicken. Chickens are the dirtiest freaking birds in eat the, the world. Eat the butt, right? No. 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 It's it's the part where they like, you know, they grow them nice feathers you yeah. you, you want right there. That's that's prized meat, bro. I'm sure it is. It is like cheeks. Well, if, well, if we'll it's give you legs and thighs. Mark's birds aren't dirty. I'm sure they're not. They're uh, still chickens. They're still in a mud pit out there. It's yummy pouring for... rain and they peck everything. They waddle around in their own duty. Hey, we we forgot to mention our homies at why, Why not, not fishing? fishing? Yep. <laughs> anyway, don't get sidetracked. We were, we were giving a little preview of the show there, and then we got into heart talk. But, yeah, deer season's winding down. It's uh, some odd weather for I don't know, probably a lot of people. I'm, I'm sure a lot of places are getting iced over in the normal areas, you know, up north. But we are ice-free. Uh, we just took a big blow for all Erie Tribs and the local kind of area most of most of it we got more water so it's gonna be good fishing in the upcoming week up there i'd imagine i'm gonna probably sneak out i got so many like beads already tied up you know what i mean <laughs> sitting at home got, i got like a big uh, piece of styrofoam on the table that's with you know in between cutting up some deer legs and packaging some meat i got i got the loin saved it says eat last on it so that's for us <laughs> like i just doubled it down you know cut it in half and uh got it all wrapped up but i finishing up the legs gonna make some jerky but i got the beads all tied up double beads so i'm rigging like a you know just a hook on each end of 15 or varying liter lengths but that's so quick. You pop a bead on, and you, you're tied you up with it. You pop a bead in, you pop a bead out. Well, you, you, know? you pick your top bead color. If you do break you, off. Do you put it on faster than you pull it out? Yes. But I'm saying, I'm saying you, if, say you break off. Now, now you know what I mean? You're, you're just tying one, 
one knot after you put a bead on and maybe adding some weight, and you're right back in the game with a, a tandem rig, oh. which is yeah, Speaking it takes of that, a lot of time. I broke one yesterday. This sucker was so tight when it popped, and you I had to bead rub, off. Oh, freaking wire. And I had to rod tip the whole way down into the water. When it broke, the whole line shot the whole way back and like completely doubled on itself and came right back to the bank. <laughs> That's some force. The whole line, the whole in the water, in the water. Wow. Because I had to rod tip under the water whenever I was pulling because it was so tight. I was afraid of it shooting back, so I buried the rod tip and did it. When that thing broke, the tip of the line came flying the whole way back and just made a big U. <laughs> hey, Jace, you had mentioned a big chunk of foam. We gotta talk about these. Mm. Mark tied up big chunk. Does the guy rattle in it? No, that's a. Uh, oh. That's a the unions double barrel popper. Yeah. In, yeah, the, like in the largest of sizes. Triple. That thing swims nasty. I just I've had them sitting around and haven't messed with them yet. And I was like, I've always seen like the sliders done with them. Fished on a full sink. So it's just a, what, six aught in the back with like two 40 millimeter shanks in it. So what's so that do? How's what, it kick? What's it? It's, it, you could tell like the head wants to force itself up. So the whole body kind of like works in like a three, like instead of it just kind of like stripping and pausing and side to side, it's erratic because the head's just jerking because it wants to go up, but the line's forcing it down. So it's throwing action like the middle of it and in the tail. So it just kind of like snakes real hard and fast and just jerks through. Try a steady it's retreat. Neat. For anyone that two hands with a two hand with it, it's slow. I haven't, or? I haven't messed with it because I couldn't keep it down where I was. For anyone that needs like a reference, Tony ties a fly a lot like mm-hmm. it, right? It's a uh, dark the, horse. The dark horse. Yeah, looks like a fucking lizard to me. It looks like one of a uh, Steve Yawchuk's well, rats. And yeah, it looks like a rat. That's <laughs> kind of what I was thinking with that color scheme was to get it and do a two hand when I have room and can fire it out and bury it down. And work it kind of like a like a baby muskrat a or something. Super short back. leader or something. Keep it keep it real short. Get get down. Baby beavers. Yeah, and then some normal turn the other way. To actually fish like a popper. The actual popper poppers. Yeah, the dead meat uh, Jolly Rogers on them. Yes, sir. Looks like the Pittsburgh Pirates eyes. <laughs> is that how you do like your? Because I've never. I've this is literally the first topwater musky fly I've ever made. That'll never fish for it. With that. But you, is that how you kind of do, like, with your blockheads? Six out in the back and then a shank up front and put the head on the shank with some... Do you use the whole shank for the actual popper head, or you put hair I'd, like that? I do like you did and made, so like, I a skirt. I did, like, two reverse ties and then push the head on. I think I normally only leave myself enough room to, for one, but... That but I, I would like to look Probably... I'd say that shank's 45 millimeter, something like that. It's a little bit bigger. I made that one a little longer just so I can get the extra extra um, turn on it. Kind of give it a little more. But, you know, see how it fishes and play with it a little bit. But Yeah. I've never messed with topwater stuff. Yeah, man, it's fine. I one of Tony's good. I'd, the old school single blockhead poppers. Mm-hmm. That's the only thing I've carried around for like the last three, four years in that box. I know. I remember uh, throwing that to Little Musky Pond mm-hmm. and you had it. That was the first time I'd seen it. And that was... Two and a half or three years ago. That was the day Jace caught the putt, or the the weekend that Jace caught the yeah. the pickerel in his Echo shirt. <laughs> yeah, Thanks. That purple Echo. Still wear that shit, man. Keeps me warm. <laughs> and and warm in the summer, too. So, hey, do we want to go take a break and uh, give our guest a call? Heck yeah. Sounds Let's talk good. about some sweet musky sticks. All righty, boys. We'll be right back. With Rod Tom. And we are back with Tom Shank. 
from Chippewa River Custom Rods. What's happening, bud? Not a lot. How are you guys tonight? Oh, we're doing great. Sitting around the table drinking some beers. I'm sitting in front of the fire with the English setter. <laughs> nice. How's your weather in Wisconsin? You guys cold or you got a little warm spell coming um, too? Surprising. Well, for the January full moon, surprisingly warm. It's not too far. It's not getting too far below zero. And you guys have been iced over for quite a while now, huh? Uh, we iced over up here on the Chippewa. I'm about a mile and a half upstream of the confluence of the Flambeau. We iced up once in October. Then it came off, and it iced back over again last December, and now the snowmobiles are running the river. Oh, nice, nice. Really? It's real winter. <laughs> it's real winter. Now. Yeah. Yeah. It's been about a, five months of real winter up here. Yeah, you had the quick faux winter there in October. Yes. That's crazy, man. Yeah. It, it was crazy cold. I mean, people were uh, ice fishing two weeks before deer hunting season, which is Thanksgiving, so <laughs> it was kind of an odd year. So for was, no, no, good. Sorry. sorry, good. Nope, I was just going to say it wasn't a kind year for the guys up uh, in northern Wisconsin fly fishing muskies. It was hard on the digits as far as frostbite. I'm sure, man. It's painful out there when that happens. Yeah, it is. And October is the best, but it's also the worst. So for a lot of our musky guys listening out there who are familiar with who you are, but for everybody else, you kind of want to give a, like, a little introduction to who you are, what, you, what kind of rod you build, and uh, how you got into it. Sure. My name is Tom Shank, a Chippewa River Custom Rod. Um, my one big thing that's been going real well here lately in the last year, because I just kind of got nudged into it by Mr. Brad Bowen, was the uh, one-piece musky fly rods. Um, I also do spinning rods and casting rods, primarily um, spinning rods. Um, I have, I'd done up to most this point in time, except for my own personal stuff. I just kind of found it hard to convince, uh, the fly guys to get into my, uh, rods and move away from a, a name brand one until I got, uh, until I got the one piece, uh, rod blanks. What's and a, I, I, I don't know. I've been building for maybe 20 years now. Um, I moved to Northern Wisconsin here and bought a tavern. Um, business was kind of slow when I first opened cause I hadn't been running a few years. So I went and I, uh, Went up to St. Croix and got a job tying rods at home for them. I made rods before that, but um, I had never, you know what I mean, seen it mass produced like that. I mostly just tied it for myself. And once I got going with them for a while, um, increased my speed and my accuracy on my uh, building. Then uh, I started uh, Chipper River Custom Rod. And here I am about 15 years later. Awesome. How'd you like building for the, the big brand name in comparison um, to yourself? It was, you know, it was convenient for me because, like I said, I could, I was bringing the rod blanks home and building them at home. Um, they just give you, they mark out the rods, have the handles on them, and then you wrap the guides for them. So they got, like, at home. All their people that wrap for them are based at home. I don't know if they still are. Like I said, it was quite a while back. But they had a couple of gals working in-house, but most of it was pick up your stuff and go home. So it was real convenient. Um Real convenient for me to do because I could be around here and uh, still work the bar and I could wrap guides if there was nobody here. So it worked out well. It was a good relationship to have. So you still run in tavern as well? Yes, sir. <laughs> You're a busy man for sure. Uh, I try to be. I'm trying to get more into the fishing rods and less and get myself out of the tavern and get myself more on rods and back out on the river a little bit more. People will never like rods as much as they will booze. <laughs> you never you gotta know. Fig- you got, is it fishing themed? 
Yeah, get the get the fishermen in there because they're the biggest drinkers, man. Oh yeah, I get a lot of them. I move. I sell a lot of rods to the local people that come in, and you know, tourists that come up and stuff like that. I sell a lot of a lot of spinning rods to them. And then in the fall, I don't know how many fly rods I moved with uh, all the guides coming to town and bringing other bringing people in and get a pretty steady flow of fly guides and fly fishermen that come into the bar on the month of October. So what's what's the uh, blank what for the one hand or the one piece is that uh coming any different lengths or is it just a one it, one deal it's all it's all eight it's all eight foot tens they're all eight foot ten and i have uh eight tens and twelves and the the twelves a beast i would recommend the ten for most and um if you're casting any other ten and you're getting worn out the eight will handle the eight will handle some huge fish they're you like know, a my, just a yeah, I know. large fighting butt, or what's a, what's the design um, on that? The fighting butt, yeah, it's been a slow evolution. <laughs> um, I'm using wind grips. They're best known for their golf grips, but they've recently got into the uh, loose fishing. fishing. And yeah, they got winds. Yeah, they wind they sell grip. a lot of rods with uh, loose fishing with wind grips. Yeah, it's like a special yep. padded. So I'm using that, and then I got a four. It ends up being about four and a half inch uh, fighting butt on it. Um, which is real, well, when I made the first ones, I had put a kind of bulbous uh, butt cap on it, which didn't turn out so hot. I found that when I went to figure eight or anything like that, um, kind of put an unusual pressure on your forearm, kind of rolled off your forearm. So I went with a smooth, which is a flat um, butt cap. So now it's just like one flush piece up against your arm. You don't have that big, that big ball, which I never knew what the use of that was, but... So in the process of making the rod, how many different uh, generations have there been? Um, uh, probably about four or five. I, uh, the first switch I, well, first two switches I made, it was all in one jump really, was I went to the, um, I went to a triangular reel seat rather than, well, first ones I did and they were like multi-piece, like where you see the, it's got machined out aluminum and then the graphite underneath and that was the first generation and i thought boy that's kind of that's kind of silly that's an extra glue joint that could possibly break so i dumped that off and then i went to a, a solid aluminum one that was round um found it came loose and um moved that over to a triangular reel seat mm. which um holds it way more solid and it's kind of weird. You can take a fly reel and you can set it down flat on it. You can set it on the foot on a table and it'll stand up. But if you try to do it on a dowel, it'll fall over. So the triangular made more sense to me. So I went with that and it's proved so reliable that actually when it comes in, it won't fit on the 12s, but I have it sent out to get machined up a little bit more so I can actually fit it on the 12s. And then the last thing I started doing was I went to all ceramic single footed guides. I was uh, after the advent of the, um, textured lines and the tungsten lines started seeing a lot of wear on the uh on the snake guides and on the tips so i, I moved away from that and went to ceramic it's about three times as hard as stainless steel so and that's been the steps and i'm about where i think i'm going to be with it i don't know how much more i got to dial in on it is there any weight difference between the ceramics and the, the snake eyes um if you if you weigh it out it is a difference of um one-tenth of an ounce wow. uh, total weight, but then, again, you don't have the two wraps. 
So you lose some little bit of thread and a little bit of epoxy, and you have uh, less flat spots in the rod, if that makes sense. So you get a real nice flow throughout the whole thing. So <clears throat> do you, uh, you offer, like, uh, custom rods for people who know, like, or want something for specifically, you know, this, you know, using it for this specific thing, or and or do you just, you know, have your rods how you make them all the time? Nope, I have them. I have them. However, if guys want to call and talk to me about them, um, if I can do it and feel comfortable doing it, by all means, I'll do it. Um, I've done a lot of, uh, I don't know, repair work. I would say, um, guys wanting like a longer fighting butt on a particular name brand rod or whatever that they got, and it just comes with a you know a shorter, maybe two inch fighting butt, but they wanted a four. I've done a lot of work like that for fellers too. So back on the one piece, the 12, I mean, we've had so many guys on that have the rods that just speak highly of them. They're saying 700 grain is pretty much like the popular consensus on that. Okay. Yeah, it, it can depend on your, it can depend on your stroke a little bit, but I know guys are going, you know, most guys are finding that sweet spot around seven. Um, some guys are going, you know, a little bit higher at 750. I know other guys that really push it hard, and uh, they're able to load it up with like a 550, 600. Now, on your experience, I mean, other than the airflow line, what other lines out there? I mean, are they doing like Skagit type shooting heads? No, most of them are. Most of them are doing that. Most of them are doing the airflow stuff. Airflows, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's when it seems to work the best. So. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see at some point if someone else catches up and starts building bigger, heavier lines too. Yeah, and the you know it's musky fly fishing is a uh, unusual beast. I mean, it's probably the only it's probably the only game in fly fishing where you're actually retrieving all the way back to the boat and then trying to load the rod up, which uh, creates its own set of physical problems. I guess it's you know like when you first try to get your dry fly out on your five weight, it takes forever to get the rod loaded. You know, especially if you're using a really extra fast rod, you got to get a quite a bit of line out before you can really effectively cast. So, mm-hmm. kind of adds a funky thing to it. And the size of the flies don't help all that much, but it can. It's worked around. So, is the eight weight a musky rod, or is that like a? Yeah, um, I know Brad. Brad Bowen prefers throwing those for, uh, you know, for a lot of his clients that don't have a lot of fishing experience. Um, I know uh, Steve uh, Pogo out there in Connecticut's using it a little bit for the pike. Um, it's just a little bit lighter, but you can you can throw pretty big stuff with it. You'd be surprised how big a stuff you can throw with it, and it it's landed some huge fish. I know up to like a 52 inch, I believe, is the biggest one that's been caught on the eighth. And what's that throwing? Like a 400 grain or a 330? Probably like a 330 would be the best, and you know a four to 450 on the 10. You know, depending upon your stroke. You know. So that eight weight. Have you uh, have you had anyone ask you about it for uh, saltwater applications, like throwing for big stripers or? No, but it would be great. Um, I think some East Coast guys might have tried it. You know, might be doing it. I'm not sure. I've sent some out there. But they do pike fish and they do they do striper fish. I don't know if they've put it to the striper application, but it is saltwater safe. So you know it, it could be it, you know it can be used without uh, doing any harm to the rod. So here's a general question: What would make a rod not saltwater safe? Um, just the the components on it, generally speaking. 
Um, I get my components through Alps components, um, and they run. They basically run a saltwater test. They run a saltwater test on them to make sure they they won't corrode in any way, shape, or form. Okay, but your yours are uh, all good to go. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm pretty sure most most rods are of any quality at at this point in time, this day and age. Yeah, and if you wash them every day. Yeah, you know, they're. I mean, if you let them sit out in the salt, they're they're going to go to crap, but. You know, if you, if you wash them at the end of the day and everything like that, they're fine. I think I forgot what they test them for. They do like a 30-day test on them, or some crazy thing. And they aren't finding corrosion, but. <laughs> um, are you yourself a musky fly angler? Um, I honestly I haven't been out as much in the last few years as I would have liked to. Um, I did a lot more of it when I first moved up to northern Wisconsin. I was involved a little bit with uh, the first year that the. Um, the year that they did the uh, zero to hero, I was running around with Brad and all that crew that was doing that then. And, um, I was a bachelor at the time. So, uh, bachelor who owned a bar and musky fly fished and had a crash pad. Yeah, it was a, it was a, it was a wild fall. <laughs> that sounds like a match made in heaven. It's like, uh, you're like <laughs> Dan Blazarian. Yeah. yeah kind of. It was, yeah, it was, uh, it was, uh, Guns it was and a, money it was a, and boobies. It was a weird meeting of uh, individuals. It was a it was a fun fall. I'm glad it only lasted a month, two months. <laughs> Might have been the end of me. Yeah, but how cool is fishing? Could get you in a position like that. Yeah, you know, it was it was awesome. It's been a it's been a fun ride with it, and uh, it was amazing how small it was back then. You know, 15, 10, 15 years ago, I can't even remember how long it was when uh, that Zero to Hero came out. But so, yeah, it was quite a while back. So with building all all through your building, is there is there anything special you ever built for yourself to fish or something for your favorite fishing like smallmouth? What what is your your go to thing when you want to get out for a day and and just relax and have a good time up there? My go to thing up here now for me is because it's not a huge huge commitment. Is I do a lot of waiting for uh, for smallmouth, and I'll 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 switch between back and forth between the fly rod and spinning rod. Yeah, I mostly target them. You know, it's a it's a big day to go out uh, musky fly fishing. You know, you kind of need uh, someone on the sticks and someone and someone throwing. A lot of the guys though now are doing it single. You know, on canoes and stuff like that. It's pretty insane. Oh yeah, I love to pop in on the river and and get my my uh, share of smallmouth real quick or or hit a few quick holes wading wise. And what do you what do yeah. you throw for them? Are you throwing like five six weight or Six weights, um, six weights, and then if I'm on the flambeau, I usually throw a crayfish pattern because it's just a more rocky bottom, and it seems to be like a that's more their natural their natural food over there. And then on the Chippewa, it's kind of uh, the Chippewa. I don't know if you've ever been up to the area, but the Chippewa, like south of Bruce, once you hit Bruce, Wisconsin, which is Highway Eight, it gets gets awfully sandy and really a lot a lot of dead water, and then some big holes and. Things just seem to concentrate in the bigger holes, so it's just a whole different game fishing the the chippewa and the flambeau down by down by me. One's like a big rock thing, crayfish base. The other one's sandy and, and minnow base. So over there, I go with the streamers. So you have the best of both worlds. Yeah, yeah you can you can play it how you want, you know. Yep. Uh, so you mentioned you still build spinning rods and you build fly rods. Is there a difference or anything different between the two rods while you're assembling them? Um. Other than the parts, not really. Um, I mean, a little bit. You can do things to tweak rods a little bit. Um, 
you know, if where you put the spine, the rod, but it's pretty much all the same. Um, you, you know, the parts are just different. As long as you know um, how the rod's going to be used, like I wouldn't feel comfortable trying to make a guy uh, a rod for tuna fishing or for, uh, you know, a 40 pound saltwater fish, just because I haven't, I, I don't know his lingo when the guy tries to talk it to me, but the, all the freshwater applications I'm familiar with, with all of it. So, it's kind of like making a car. They're all, you know, a car, a, a car or a truck. They're kind of the same. They all got four wheels and body parts and transmissions. They're just kind of different sized and they're just, they're, they're the same, but they're different. So for your location up there, you get a lot of like recommended people wanting walleye rods as a jigging. And have you ever built any ice rods for anybody? Um, I'm just starting to, do get into the ice rods i've just heard such a demand for them people are like i want why won't you make me one why won't you make one i'm like because i don't make them so i've been uh this fall and this fall and early winter here i've been working on uh working on trying out different blanks and different uh different setups and seeing if i like them you know what i mean and try to make them for how i like them and if guys want if guys got an idea of something and they got a they got a rod blank that uh, they want built on i'll build on it so I built some for a guy that want, that's catfishing through the ice. I'm like, I'm going to build a catfishing ice rod. Like, <laughs> Seems well, kind yeah. of odd. An ice catfishing rod. Yeah, that's that's rather unique. Yeah, there's a few guys around doing it. He says he can't get to where he wants to on the river um, yet because of the ice conditions. But that was as of last week, so I don't know what this week's going to bring. We've had some well below zero nights. So probably get out there and do it. I, I don't know. I've seen a few guys doing it, but it's kind of a rare thing. Are you still putting the wing grips on the ice rods? Um, no, I've been using uh, like an EVA and a um, a burl cork. So like an EVA and then it's end capped off with the, with the burled cork. Them guys don't even want rod seats, okay? Yeah, they just they want to strap them right on with like rubber bands and stuff like that. So easy peasy, right? Yeah, um, I've been doing, you know, I personally like the real seat. I've been doing them that way for myself. And uh, a lot of the guys up here like them that way. But, if you know, if, like I said, putting the, it's actually less work for me to put the uh, the ones on that you just strap them onto. So if a, if a guy wants that, that's even easier for me. Yeah, usually the, the well, my all my bigger fish rods, real seats indefinitely, but uh, some of the lighter game, you know, once you get into panfish, guys are like, putting them on with just like rubber bands or they say yeah. it's more sensitive i guess better yeah feel. that's become a that's become a trend lately out here in the last i don't know 15 20 years it's, it's been enough a thing that they've gotten gone away with a lot of the real seats so is is like rod wise are you getting walleye guys or what what's a what's a seller up there um up here with the crowd i know it's mostly pan fish um I have done some stuff for walleyes for guys, and but like I said, I this is uh, a new thing for me. So awesome! I ha- I haven't really got, got into it much. I've gotten a few walleye rods out to guys that do that do walleye fish, but the walleye fishing up here is not that big of a thing. It more, you know, I'd say it's ninety percent. Ninety percent of the guys are fishing panfish, and they'll throw a tip up out for for walleyes. There's not a lot of guys. Uh, doing the jig and wraps or anything like that yet so on your one piece musky rod can you get cork on it if you want it instead of the wing grip whatever you'd like <laughs> <laughs> it's specialties 
yeah, whatever, you know, whatever you like, if I've got the blank laying around, I, you know, I usually do. Um, yeah, I, you know, I just keep a couple on hand that are built all the way up. And, uh, if someone orders one, I, you know, try to ship it, ship it out to them and then, uh, build up another one to replace it. And if someone calls in in the meantime and wants something changed a little bit, that's not a problem. They want their names put on it, you know, different color wraps on it. Yeah, that's, you can do whatever you want to do. Your standard wraps, what are they? Um, I'm using this, uh, gray uncolor treated thread. It was a trick I learned at St. Croix. They were using this gray uncolor treated, this regular nylon thread. And it, um, it actually becomes like translucent after you put the epoxy on it. So you can actually see the foot of the, the guide underneath, underneath the thread. That's you cool. You can still tell there's thread there, but you can still see, like clearly That's see cool. the foot of the guide. So yeah, I'll shoot, shoot you guys over some pictures if you need them for, for if you want them for the website or whatever. Heck yeah, man. We're, we're going to plug the crap out of this. It sounds, <laughs> it sounds cool. Um, I don't know. I'm not a golfer. I don't know. Uh, but uh-huh. I, I do know you have to get your clubs re-gripped once in a while, right? Are these, are the wing grips like lifetime for the fishing um, rods? I, you know, I haven't, you know, I've had a couple guys have some issues with them, but not, you know, most guys are got them long term. Um, and they're, they're holding up really well. I've had some other guys that have, um, I've put some, uh, a X flox wrap over the top of it. It's popular on a lot of the rods now that they're putting into rod holders. It's kind of like a rubberized black, um, heat shrink thing that you, you, you put on it. You shrink it down and it's, it's like new again. Cool, man. That's cool. And if there is any issues, they just send them back to you and yeah, yeah. If there's ever any issues, just send it back to me. I'm more than happy to take care of them. Embarrassed that I had that there was any problems. Um, I've started taking back. I've seen, and if everyone hears it and they got one and it's starting to show wear, send it back to me. Um, replacing some snake guides out for people and actually being able to uh, get all the epoxy off and get it rewrapped with uh, full ceramic guides, like no issues. You can't even tell it's been done. Nice. I think a lot of I think a lot of the wear stuff too might be some with this tungsten that they're starting to put in lines um actually it's like twice as hard as stainless steel i've so heard a lot that, of that issue with a uh, big name rods yeah even i've seen a guy on the fly fish and the musky fly fishing page on facebook complaining like he's like i'm i my orvis my orvis just keeps failing and it's just on the on the end guide but it's a it's a crazy sport it's oh, uh, mine's you know, 700 grain lines and flies that when they're wet weigh a couple ounces and then it's never the cleanest of sports you're in and out of the boat and you step on your line because you're wearing heavy boots and you don't even realize it running a lot of you're running a lot of grit through those guides whether people know it or not yeah we we can definitely tell when we uh we walk and wade and go bank yanking all the amount of dirt that you pick up and you're stripping and your hands are filthy at the end of the day yeah no i've wore a groove at the end of mine big time yeah, and a lot of times, you know, compared to trout fish, and it's not very clean water most of the time, you know. It's a lot of times it's silted up, you know, with the rivers rising and stuff like that. It's not like it's not like you're fishing the spring creek. No. Speaking of trout fishing, do you make trout rods, five weights, stuff? Uh, um, is that not yes, big demand? I, um, I'll make anything for anybody. Um, and I used to do a lot of fly fishing when I lived over in the Twin Cities. I grew up over in Woodbury and I used to fish the Kinnick and the Rush and Lost Creek quite a bit. So, yeah, I, 
I love to trout fish. I just don't do it that much since I moved up here. There's not a lot of opportunity for it up here, but um, don't have any listed on my website at this point in time on the smaller stuff. Um, I'm just going to actually, I'm doing a relaunch of my website and I'm going to finally have the predator, uh, fly rods on there, which I haven't never had a website for them. I just sold them through word of mouth and I think it did close to 60 last year. It was like a crazy year for my first year doing it. I thought, Holy smokes. That's not bad at all. Yeah. I was on your website and I couldn't find a picture of it on the site. We got the pictures that, uh, you had sent Mark. It's like a, it's like a unicorn. It is. (laughs) Can't find this fucker. It's on the Googleator. (laughs) <laughs> if you Google it. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't come up in Google search yet. It will, though. It will, though. Within a, within probably a month and a half, it will. And then uh, the other, the only other issue I have with it is uh, the shipping issues are crazy on it. And it's the reason why most major brands stop making a one-piece is the three major shippers drop their bulk length down to, it used to be at nine foot was the break. That's why all the rods were eight foot ten. Um, they dropped it to eight foot. So shipping's crazy for me. Like to ship. You need a driver. You need a driver. What? You need a driver, man. Something. Yeah. You need somebody like deliver this in three days. Yeah. It gets to be like, so for East coast and West coast guys, if it's not like upper Midwest, it's like 120 bucks to ship it. Like a fucking kayak. <laughs> yeah, it is. It really is. And then, um, for the guys that live in the area where speedy delivery delivers, it's like 25 bucks. Is there a so possibility shipping, in the future of making it a two-piece? Um, I can get two-piece blanks for it, yes, made out of the same materials. But it, it casts nowhere near nowhere near as good. Yeah. If that makes any sense. Yeah, something 100%. about the flats. Is that why is that why you made it a one piece? Um, you know, the the blank was on closeout because they were discon the company's discontinuing it. I talked them back into making them for me uh, uh, exclusively. I got to order so many at a time or whatever, but they pulled the old mandrel off the off the wall and, and made some up for me. Sweet. Yeah, and they just didn't want to deal with the shipping issues like a lot of people did, and like a lot of the bigger companies didn't want to deal with that. And having to explain to guys like, "Hey, dude, sorry, I got to charge you, you know, five hundred, where the other dudes it's four hundred. So yeah, base price on the rods three seventy five. So not extremely high, but not the cheapest in the world. So do you get a lot of guys that will will buy a rod from you and then book a trip with, let's say, Bowen or Steven Weissner or, or Pogo Pike when they're up there fishing? Oh, and yeah. They, and they just pick them up while they're on their fishing well, trip? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I, delivered a, I delivered a few to all of those guys. <laughs> I'm so, sure. Yeah. Nick down at uh, Strip and Rip, he's using my stuff, too. Uh, I sent one up to Bill Shear this this last summer, he gave me a real good review on it. It was the generation before I put the snake guides on it, though. But, yeah, he loved fishing it, so he said it was awesome. You find yourself, like, you know, sending a lot of rods out to guys, you know, just to testing them out, and they're doing all this and giving you feedback. I mean, sir, how's that go around? Um, mostly they just buy them, and I tell them, if you don't like it, you can send them back to me. And <laughs> but you don't get none back. And I'm still fishing. I'm still fishing second generation, man. No one sends them back. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That's a good problem to have, you know. In mm-hmm. in the R and D phase, was it you that was out um, doing all the R and D for the rod? Mostly guides. Mostly guides. Um, um, and it was. I don't know if it was really so much going out as R and D, but just coming back. And I guess maybe you know in the first. 
part of it. I used to be fly fishing more, you know, so I seen like, oh, this is coming loose. The real seat's coming loose. That doesn't, you know, that doesn't, you know, make sense. Get a new one, get the new one. And then I just started seeing the wear and just taking feedback from guys just in general, how they felt about it. Um, I don't, I don't put a hook keep on them. Um, if a feller wants a hook keep, that's not a problem, but I find a lot of guys don't like it. The line gets looped around it. You know, if you cast real hard, yeah. Spins stick, around stick the, the fly again. to the bottom of the reel and call her a day. Move on. Yeah, I'm working on it. I'm actually working on a pretty r- rude uh, prototype right now of a uh, rod, a rod bag that can cover the rod while fully rigged, and mm. then it wraps or, wraps around the end of the wraps around the end of the butt, and then it ties. If that makes sense, there's just a long slip up the slit up the middle of the rod bag right to where the foot of the reel seat is. That sounds cool. That's interesting. It's like a like Wait, a like a gun I just case. got sick of the I just got sick of the, watching the guides come into my you know driving their drift boats in and seeing those rods like rattling around inside the uh, <laughs> rod tubes and I'm thinking oh my god it's gonna look like crap in a week. Is it is it just like a I don't know a mater- material like like clothing yeah, like just, a cloth yeah, material just, just like a cloth material to stop it from getting beat up. It's not gonna protect it from getting stepped on or anything like that. So that's a really good idea. Um, would you be? Are you gonna uh, try to market that to to fit all rods, like all nine foot general rods? You know. Um, you know, it's something I never really put serious thought to. Um, like I said, I'm just working on these with a local seamstress and looking, just gonna start searching for some materials that I like better than the one that I currently have. But I like the way that the layout of it works. Yeah. I mean, I would you know, buy something like that for, for my name brand rods. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I might have to switch them for most most rods unless they've, they've they, unless you got a four-foot fighting or a four-inch fighting butt on your rod. Yeah. I guess you have a point there. But, yeah. <laughs> Do so, they – no, will they fit up like in the rod tube or are they just for all other time? I, I'm, so, I'm sorry. I didn't, will that, I didn't catch will that. that Will that like – will those slide up in the rod tube? You know, as as the fishermen can use them when they're in the boat. Um, I wouldn't really want to. Um, or is that just for your general purpose? Any other time? They're they're a little hard to get on and off. To be quite frank with you, um, and it it's because of the length of the rod. Um, don't know. If it's the same kind of comparison. It's a lot easier to put a four piece into a rod sack than it is a two piece. I found so it it even gets hard. It even gets more kind of odd when it's a nine foot rod in a one piece. So, uh, do you have any big big dreaming plans for uh for another new uh new invention, musky fishing or otherwise? No, not really. Unless I unless I come across one, you know, I wasn't really I wasn't really planning on this one either. And, and uh, like I said, I got those rod blanks and close out. I got them into. Uh, brad's hands to have him check him out he was the one guy in the area that i knew the best that was doing the best guiding and he he came back and asked me if i could get him and i after like maybe a year i really really looked into it and um a lot of leg work i finally got him to say yeah and then that's how it went from there he got the word out for me and just kind of you know it just kind of worked out that i i knew ended up knowing a lot of the right guides and like hey try this try that and try this so then a ton of people ended up fishing them. It's been a great thing. So, are you a fly tire as well? 
Nope, I do not tie flies. I'll swap. I'll swap fishing rods for flies. I used to, but <laughs> I bet you're I'm better a, at making the rods. I bet you have a stockpile of flies now for that that swap. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, that that'd be a that'd be a good trade. We, I don't know, I don't know. You have probably more quality rod than any of these guys could tie. That's that Mark. Mark's all right. Mark. Jason, he's he's glues all his shit together. No, no, mine just made it. Mine just made of. Uh, it'd be like it'd be like all the all the epoxy on your rods uh, on on the flies, okay? But uh, yeah. you know, some of the some of the ugliest flies work the best. You know, you're right, man. They do. They're big they and they're ugly. S- they get eaten. Yeah, they get screwed up or something. You know, fish mess them up and they just dart in funny ways and you know, you never know what. Catch they're they're a, they're a weird fish. Catch a weird more fish. So, you know, for you, you know, making rods, uh, time-wise, I mean, does it, I mean, how long does it take you to put it, and you were talking to us right before we called you, you were putting the finishing touches on some rods, and, uh, you know, how, you know, how long does it take you to put a rod together, if you don't mind? Um, from, from the time someone orders one, to when I can deliver it, I would, to make myself safe, say three weeks, um, time, especially if, I, I say that especially with this, the spinning rods because i don't have a lot of them like the blanks on hand all the time the fly rods you know um it's gonna take me it'll take me three days to make one um most of it's idle time if that makes sense uh waiting for epoxies to dry um, once you put the handle on you got like a probably an eight to 12 hour wait before it really sets up good where you can start wrapping the guides on and then you got one coat of epoxy your first coat, and I like to give it 24 hours. Then, then you got to stick, put the stickers on the rod, um, and then re-epoxy it. So you get a lot of wait time in the epoxy process. But total, total time hours wise, um, you know, depending upon how many you're doing, because you don't have to take the stuff out as much if you're doing a bunch of them. But probably three to four hours, closer to four usually. And like even you know looking back even you know like you said you've been doing this for a long long time did you have you ever spun like your own cork handles did you get into doing that at all or you just shy that, away from that and just kind of ship them in no that i never did i just kind of went with this with the stock handles i never spun never spun the cork handles much i don't blame um, you one bit <laughs> that that looks like you know nerve-wracking y- I have had guys on the fall show up at the bar and they're like, Hey, can you take care of this? It's too fat for me. And I've taken it out to my lathe and just gone out there and sanded it down for them upon request. But I've never actually done that as like a full-time type thing. So if, if someone like all four of us sitting around here, we've never put a rod together. Yeah. What are some basic tools that someone would need to, uh, to get into building like a kit rod? Um, they're pretty basic, really. Um, just a, you basically need something that hold, basically holds your thread. And then um, there's a, uh, a couple, almost like V-stakes that you put it in so you can spin the rod around. Or you can get as complex as like a huge eight-foot-long uh, mechanical power wrapper where you, hit a, where you hit a pedal and it just spins the rod and you move the you know you move the thread back and forth a little bit to go up and down the guides kind of like a sewing machine uh, with the yep, pedal. exactly yep yep and 
I'm using what I got at, when I worked at St. Croix 15 years ago that have you buy your stuff. It's kind of an independent contractor thing. And it's just all all on wheels and it's all spun by hand. But I think the reason they never had the uh, ones that were motorized is if you do happen to overlap the thread, it is a bear to, to wrestle with the motor to try to, to try to back it off. It's a lot easier when you're doing it by hand. And do you... Any special epoxies or glues that, that people um, need, or is that, a, is that a yeah, trick or secret for, for you? Sh- yeah, no, for sure, for sure, get the, um, for sure, get the a good um, two-part epoxy that's specifically made for putting the handles on. Um, they have a little bit longer drying time, and they tend not, they don't get brittle, so you don't. If you, if you use like a five-minute epoxy, it'll, it will, you'll hear it cracking when you start to bend. When you bend the rod, it'll crack because it's more brittle, so it's a longer drying time, and it stays semi-flexible. Okay. And then the epoxy on the guides is another product altogether. Um, I really like the Featherlight, the li- the lightweight stuff. Company, I don't really have a, a preference, um, but uh, I like the lighter stuff. It puts on a lighter first coat. Once you get that first coat down, if there's any like little stick ups or anything like that, where you cut your thread off at the end of a wrap and there's a little tag piece, you can just come back with a razor blade and knock that down. And it's going to appear like it's a little white where you cut it off. But as soon as you put epoxy back over the top of it, it's gone. Huh? You know, it, it goes, it goes clear again. It's like it, the epoxy just makes it go clear again. That's cool, man. So, I, yeah. This is and, stuff that we'd never think about. While we're out on a day fishing, you know? Beating the crap out of our rods. Yeah, beating the crap out of them. Yeah, I, I usually break mine and wrap them up at home, but there's a couple of yeah. tips. So, yeah, a little, little bit of nail polish, some epoxy. Uh, I got, yeah. I, I'm not good at anything, but I, I try like hell, you know? Uh, I put yeah. some I put some rod back together, you know? The, the mice rods, they get banged around a lot, man, and, and to suffice, like, you know, a, a nice rod to have be shorter. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I bought a specific rod case like five years ago for ice fishing. Oh, I need it's, it. It seems huge, but I tell you what, it's huge and bulky and kind of expensive. But I haven't broken an ice fishing rod since I bought it. If we go on the big lake, I use a gun, like a gun. Do you know what I mean? An actual case for a gun. I throw four rods in that if we're up traveling like snowmobiles and stuff like that. Uh-huh. But we can't do that at home here. That's illegal in in our area. But That's on, illegal to yeah, you can't take nothing on any lakes outside of boats in, in that time. Yeah, no oh, okay. no riding. Some areas, I think they have a ride or two at like a one of our local state parks, but only in designated spots on designated days. So, But you hmm. get out on Erie, you know, you want to protect your gear, man. Definitely yeah. used a gun case a few times for four or five rods. Hey, not a bad idea. <laughs> oh, yeah, doubles over. <laughs> so... You've uh you've repaired rods for people in the past, correct? Yes, I have. Have you ever seen anyone try to repair their own rod and then bring it to you to to fix what they have done? <laughs> I'm I'm only saying this because a nightmare Jay, because Jay sitting across the table from me, I've seen him make a snake eye out of a paper clip once and wrap it on with thread and caught steelhead. <laughs> yes, and caught steelhead with it. Hey, it works. Yeah, <laughs> has, it can be done. <laughs> Have you seen, <laughs> I, I, seen any people do that before they uh, they bring it in for you to fix it right? 
No, I haven't. I haven't seen that done. But it's you know, if you need to get on the water, you need to get on the water, man. God bless you. you done more with less. Got back on the water. You know? <laughs> well, you know, even speaking of that rod, uh, it's fiberglass. It's an old fiberglass rod that uh, my dad had found at a yard sale, and you know, maybe used before I got a nicer rod. Uh, and we still have it. But uh, did you have you ever delved into the fiberglass at all? Nope, I haven't done much any fiberglass work. It's all been it's all been graphite. Um, I, I would assume the the process is the same. Um, I just haven't the company, the Batson Enterprises, where I get most of my rod blanks through, where I get all my spinning stuff through. They just they don't handle any glass, and I just really haven't seen the demand for it. And like I said, the glass um, it's a, getting to be the fly rod thing coming back a little bit, but I haven't delved into it at all. Musky rods are where it's at, man. People will yeah. come from far for them. Even that, yeah. And, it's, oh, I was gonna say just with the musky rods too. Uh, have you looked into any of the like? I know a lot of guys are going to the two handers. Have you looked into trying to do any of that, or are you just gonna stick with what you are doing now? It can. This rod can kind of be used two handed a little bit. You, you know, you got you're choked up a little bit because you're down by the. It's this conventional, um, conventional. Uh, the foregrip's conventional, so it's. A, seven and three 7.375 inches um and then it the the butt the fighting butt's long enough that if you want to you can kind of you can kind of two-hand it um but you it, I, I haven't really delved into the the um having the longer front handle yet but i have done some with you know, seven inch with seven inch wind grips on the for a fighting butt that guys are using as a two-handed rod that's big which I was like, are you sure you want it? Because uh, if, if you order it, it it's yours. Cause I'm not, you can I'm send not it back and you can cut some your... off, right? Yeah. You know, yeah cut some off and uh, patch it up with a paper clip or something. <laughs> that works every time. Every time. <laughs> uh, have you had any, you're in Wisconsin, uh, Steelhead, or around generally. Have you had anyone uh, do any spay requests? Um, I, I've done some rods that guys were using for steelhead and i was i was doing a a switch rod for them you know it was uh crazy it was quite a few years ago i think it was like an 11 foot four or eight weight um that guys were using for steelhead and i tried using them for for musky and back in the day they didn't work too bad they were long and kind of loaded up easy and it was kind of more like a chuck and duck thing there wasn't many false casts you just cut that rod loaded up and hope the fly didn't hit you in the back of the head when it came by <laughs> we know that feeling oh that hurts <laughs> um with the longer rod did you notice anything different in the figure eight is it does it hold up in the figure eight or is it Oh the no the long spay rod no they never they never really held up in the figure eight they had too much too much play in them, um, but these ten weights and the ten weights and the eights and the twelves all hold up really good really good in the uh, in the uh, in the figure eight. Um, a lot of guys have been impressed with the fact that they don't uh, bow out on them hardly at all. Really, that's that's really impressive. I know the the rod I'm fishing. It it folds in half in the figure eight, and it's a twelve weight. So, yeah. So it's nice to hear uh, the products out it, there to make it make it fish correctly. 
Yeah, you know, there's yeah, it's it, it fishes really good on the figure eight. Um, it's soft on the back cast. That's about all I can say about it. <laughs> you fight your figure eight to quirk, huh? Yes. <laughs> I figured out the figure eight quirk, quirk as well as getting your wrist ripped off on your first back cast. Hey, I'm so. I'm glad you did. I'm definitely gonna have to take a peek into these rods. Yeah, they're uh, they're they're nice rods. I've sent them sending three out to Pennsylvania. Uh, tomorrow morning. So there's going to be some more PA guys with them. That's awesome. awesome. Oh, we're going to have to go find them. <laughs> chat, chat will know who got it here by the end of the week. Yeah, I think everyone knows who got it. So. <laughs> yeah. So um, is there anything that we haven't hit on that, that you want to hit on? Um, You know, not really. I mean, a little bit, I guess. Maybe, you know, more about my spinning rods and stuff like that. Um, and basically the premise behind them was... Um, as a custom builder after seeing like how St. Croix did it was um, why not just offer a, a stock custom rod, customizable rod with um, where I basically pretty much pick all the parts. And so the parts are standard, but you still get to go on and pick out if you want, if your favorite teams, the Eagles, you can, you can wind it up in Eagles colors. And uh, if you want your name on it, you put your name on it or whatever you'd like on there for customization. And I kind of went with that and actually do a lot of gifts out of them. They're really, they're really high quality rods also. Um, I'd put them up against, I'd put them up against Loomis or whatever. They're, you know, really super nice rod blanks. And so a lot of them, um, and you know, that's the, that's the other end of the thing I do. Um, the musky rod things have really been taken off and it's a really niche market. Um, so that's been great. It's fun. I love the people, uh, the musky fishermen are great guys and stuff. But uh, yeah, I do do that with the spinning rods, and have done a lot of them over the years. Do you, um, with the you know the bass rods and everything else, like the spinning rods, do you find yourself with you know more just uh, a common guy buying them, or uh, you know do you, um, guys that are in tournaments and tournament fishermen using them as well? I haven't gotten to a lot of the tournament guys. Um, I envision it more like as for personal rods. Um, I, you know, I didn't really know how it would go when I first you know started trying to sell them online. Um, I just thought it would be cool if guys could come in and do a little bit more customization than the other manufacturers um, allowed, you know, because it wasn't, um, I seen that, the, you know, working at St. Croix, I kind of seen their manufacturing process and how efficient they were at it. Um, and it's like, you know, it, you can do it almost as efficiently as they do um, and still switch the, the parts out as long as, you know, the base model is the same, as long as all the cork, as long as the cork's the same, the real seat's the same, um, you know, the only difference then is uh, picking out a different colored guide or whatever, or a different um, model guide. The, the guide still goes on the same place and just change your threads out when you go to wrap it up. The epoxy job's the same. And are you using the, the stainless guides for the casting gear? Yeah, for the casting and the, for the casting and the spinning, it's all uh, 316 stainless steel and uh, hard oxide, um, the hard oxide rings in them. If guys want, uh, if guys want, like I said, if guys want something else, um, it's not on my website. Feel free to call me. And I'm glad to uh, get you a quote on them and, and tell you what it is. And if you want to do it, we can do it. The custom colorization. Do you find most people are putting their their favorite sports teams colors, or what what are people doing for uh for their favorite colors? We make it smallmouth, brown and olive, you know, or you know, I don't, I don't, I don't even ask them what they're doing usually. Um, 
I mean, I'm from Green Bay, so if they want purple and gold, it's going to cost them more. There you go. No, we don't have that. <laughs> yeah, but no, um, I don't really ask why the colors are. I've, I mean, I've done things so like obscure as like had a had a groom send me his wedding invitation to try to match the to try to match the color of their wedding because he was having them spun up for his groomsmen. That's awesome. That's a great groom's present. You know, yeah, and I I do like a lot of retire on that end of it on, on the spinning rod stuff. I do a lot of retirement uh, type gifts and birthday type gifts and stuff. And like I said, it's, it's a lot of times it's people that don't really know fishing that are trying to buy it for a loved one that does know fishing. Well, so so how does somebody go about ordering one? Do you jump on there? Is it like oh, I want a seven foot? You know, six to yep. ten. Is that is that how everything goes on there? Two piece. You're gonna get all them selections. Um, the only thing I currently have up right now is all one piece stuff because um, okay because the shipping shipping if you want if, if you want it shipping's okay on the spinning rods okay because they're because they're you know typically shorter than eight the the magic number is eight feet it's gonna be that way on any rod um, you'll see it a lot of times if you go to like mudhole.com and stuff it's free shipping if you order over fifty bucks worth of stuff or all rod blanks as long as they're not over eight feet so. Um, yeah, so the shipping on them's not bad. Just a, a lot of gifts. It's it's been a good thing. And um, the nice thing is, is sometimes I got to tell them, hey, you need to sneak down and find this person's fishing rods and take a picture of it down by the handle. Yeah, give me them numbers. Yeah, yeah. Tell me, yeah, give me the give me the numbers and I'll, I'll take care of the job. Awesome. Yeah, that, that's <laughs> cool. No, find I, the dirtiest, find the dirtiest, ugliest rod in in your husband's boat and take a picture of it. And that that can match that. Gotcha. Speaking of, do you do casting rods, like bait casting rods as well? Or is it just a spinning rod yep. niche? Nope, I, I do bait casting rods as well. Um I haven't really broken out a lot in them. Um not a lot of not a lot of fellers in the north um fish the uh the casting rods. But um I do make them. I use them myself. I use a casting rod myself here on the river. It's just so nice to be able to stop the bait short when you're casting towards shore and I've made a bunch up for Joe Flater, if anyone knows that guy. He's a he's a character. You should talk to him one day. We're we're a, always open for suggestions. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's uh he's a he's a story, but uh, he got inducted to the Freshwater Fishing Hall of Fame here a couple of years ago. He owns a tavern just down river from me, so he's an interesting he's an interesting cat and a good storyteller. But I I've made quite a few casting rods for bass and muskie for him, so Yeah, there's there's a guy he puts out some ice rods and he's just like a fishing guy to but they're mm -hmm. bait casting also you know you got both features you could have the spinning and bait casting handles because handling i think he's similar wisconsin area actually yeah he's, and oh he's doing the he's doing the casting rods for ice fishing yeah yeah just that style it's, it's a yeah. comfortable hold you know how it is you know you hold one that's it, what the that's what the that's what the cat that's what the catfishing guy wanted. He wanted yeah. I wanted to be a bait caster. Oh yeah, well he's going to be running a some big big gear if he's going after the big yeah. ones. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh just a just a thing, dude. There's I don't know your your avenue is endless. You could you could sell to crappie guys. Crappie guys are diehard for their you know size rods and things like that. But they need yeah. To my, be... You know my basic rule on it is if I'm going to tell you if I'm not comfortable doing it. You know, if I don't know it, if it's out of my, if it's out of my, uh, it's out of my comfort zone and be like, ah, I don't know about doing that. So, but 
So when you I do, do a, a, when you do the customization on the rods and put someone's name on it, you just yep. use, what what uh what do you use for that? Is that Sharpie or do you epoxy over it when it's done? I, oh, I, I don't. Oh, get, oh God, no, not no. You haven't seen my handwriting. Um, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I I couldn't do it. You know what I mean? <laughs> no, I. There's a company down. Don't quote me. It's either Tennessee or North Carolina. I get confused with that uh, down there. I want to say it's Tennessee though. Um, they make uh, they make stickers for custom rod builders. Um, fairly they're fairly reasonable. Um, and they have a machine that you can send it down there. You can pick out any font you want. Tell them the, the diameter of the uh, blank, and they'll make it to match that diameter of the blank. What would be best on it, and then it shows up, and it's a really super easy clear sticker to apply and then you epoxy over the top of it and it's there forever awesome everything's yeah, made easy decal connections the name of the company but they're real easy to work with that's neat <laughs> and i and i think mudhole mudhole offers that mudhole offers that service too and i'm not sure about any of the other suppliers of jan's netcraft does or anything like that but they do if you're looking into getting the building the custom rods there are companies out there that do make stickers for uh your fishing rods. So we have just asked you yet before, if you're going to get into wanting to build your own rod at home, like what's the first thing you need to look into? You'll need something that will support your rod and hold your thread in place. And then um, a rotisserie. It's like that, a handle uh, style. Like, like the sewing machine that we had talked about earlier. Um, or not sewing no. machine, but the motor with the the spinner, right? Um, yeah, they make some pretty they make some pretty basic ones that you can get for under forty bucks, though. That are just it's what I was talking about was a whole another huge thing, um, and I didn't even go and talk about the drying aspect and the the uh, rotisseries that you kind of need. But they're basic, simple rotisseries. You could, you know, if you uh, were really good with paper clips, you could probably take the rotisserie off your Weber and uh, get a get a cardboard box and cut a couple of V's in it, and you'd be good to go. Oh, all right, uh, yeah. all right, perfect. You know, it just it just needs to turn while the epoxy on the guides is drying, so you don't get drips off on one side, and it keeps a nice clear, you know, nice smooth coat to it. So you're basically cooking it a little bit, almost killing it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Just make sure, just make sure it's parallel too, because otherwise, if it's not, if it's not, if it's not parallel when you're drying it, all the epoxy is going to run to one side of the guide or the other. It'd be a little weighted. Yeah, see, when that wouldn't be good. I'm sure that's happened to more than one fella. Oh, I've had the power go out. I, I need to. That's the one that I need to get a generator out here to make sure I can plug my stuff in. It, it's gotten better. They buried the power lines out here finally, so the power doesn't go out like every other day. Like I used to have to plan it. Like, okay, is it going to storm today? And if it was going to storm, I couldn't put epoxy on rods. So, okay, I can't do it. There's a risk of a, a thunderstorm, so no epoxy work today. So how long does it have to spin before it's set up enough that the power can go out? Um, let's see, four or five hours. Big it's long, a, big long wait time on these rods. Huh? That's a it's long. It's a pretty long. It's a pretty long dry time, and I think what it has to do with is you know if you dry really fast, it tends to get brittle. Um, I've glued with the glue that I use on the handles, the epoxy I use on the handles. I've glued like those big cement. Um, flower planters together that are on like a pedestal <laughs> and uh they've stayed for five years and i've had them outside and i can still pick them up by the i can still pick them up and the base won't fall off them it's pretty crazy glue um is that temperature dependent also do you have to have your basement at a 
a, a certain temperature for the epoxy to set up or if it um is, is yes that... and no yes and no eventually it will it helps you know the if the temperature's higher um it's better if the humidity level's low it's better you know what i mean it just it takes less time but you don't want to but you don't want to cook it either to get it you don't want to get it to you know, best is like, you know, ambient room temperature is 70 with, you know, relatively mild, mild humidity because you don't want it to have it set up too fast, but you don't want it to set up too slow. It's kind of like a balancing act a little bit, but it's the Goldilocks basic room, basic room temperature you're in, you're okay. I mean, you don't want to get down and try to do it at 50 degrees. And I don't think that I'd want to do it at, you know, 95 degrees either. If, if it's at 95, let's say, and it was hotter out, let's say someone in Florida is doing it. Would it dry too fast and would get cloudy, or what? What's the issue? No, Just no. It, um, yeah, the only thing about doing it fast, I think, would would be the brittle. But um, you know, I've never really had a problem with it. You know, living in Wisconsin, the only thing I got to worry about is that I that the furnace isn't going to go out. Yeah, is that, that it doesn't get cold? But it's not really an issue. It's kind of a chemical reaction. So, but it it helps to speed the you know chemical reaction up if it's the right temperature. Yeah, for sure. And they do have tools you can buy for that too. <laughs> <laughs> so if so, it depends on how deep you want to delve into this custom rod building. Some guys are getting pretty elaborate building their stuffs now. It's it's really a a growing thing for hobbyists, and there's more and more guys out there doing it commercially. So if someone's looking to buy a rod off of you, where, what's the best avenue? Where do they go to find you? Um, right now you can um, go to my website and take my phone number down and just call me. <laughs> Or, you know, or check out at the old one. Like, it's it's very old. It, it's outdated. I apologize. Um, I'm rebuilding and making it more mobile-friendly and bringing it into the 21st century. It's it's probably a 15-year-old program that's up there right now. So it's a little antiquated. And then but, social uh, media-wise, you're on, what, Instagram and Facebook? I'm on Instagram and Facebook, yes. And that's a very easy way to get a hold of me as well. It's getting to be confusing, though. People can... You know, it's like, okay, did they email me? Did they message me? Did they direct? Did they direct off of Instagram me? Uh, <laughs> yeah, so it's like so many avenues of uh, communication. Sometimes it's like, uh, but just need a big long list. So, what's the name if somebody's looking out to look it up? Uh, Chipper River Custom Rod. And if uh, if someone's out fishing with Brad Bowen or Stephen Weissner or Pogo, or and they Pogo, and they want to uh, stop in and have a Nice cold adult beverage at the end of the day. Where can they go? Uh, old Bogey's Bar in Holcomb, Wisconsin. There we go, man. Right. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> so, so super right. easy to find. Go to the confluence of the Flambeau River and head upstream a little bit and hang a left. And I'm a mile and a half down, situated right on the Chippewa River. Or just drive your boat up. You have boat parking? <clears throat> I can I can make boat parking. <laughs> <laughs> I, that's all that matters. I, I bet you I have, I, I have I have a small boat landing, but yes, people do stop down in boats. And I do have a dock out in the river, but it's not uh you're not gonna be running a power boat up here you, unless you got something special, you know, uh, a jet drive or something like that. Those are starting to see a lot more of those up here and stuff, but pretty shallow rivers. I bet you hear some epic fishing stories at the bar. Yeah, it's it's pretty crazy, you know. It's like Louis Spray when he caught his giant muskie. You know, he was a bar owner too. He said he could just see the look in their eyes that they lost a big one. He said I had to serve their first three beers, 
to loosen them up before I. He said, but by their 12th, and they usually pretty much broke down and told me where it was. That's, and, that, and that's where I was the next day. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, that's. Uh, if you've never read Louis Spray's book on musky fishing, it's a must read. It's pretty crazy in the descriptions of the rivers up in northwestern Wisconsin. They're, they're still the same. The same boulders are there, the same rapids are there. It's a pretty neat read from the 30s. Huh. That's interesting. That's one we're definitely going to look into. So, hey, on that note, um, I think we're going to get on out of here. I want to thank you for All your right. time. All right, and thank you for your guys' we, time as we well. We appreciate it. Yep, and thanks for the honor of being on. You guys have a great night. Good talking with you. And if anyone has any questions, just uh, get a hold of me through my website or social media, and feel free to give me a call anytime. Sounds good. Smelter. He said smelts are. I'm like, smelts? Oh, I like smelts. <laughs> oh, I've been eating sardines like You crazy. know what smelts are? I've never had them. Really? No. Oh, man. I tell you what, the best place down yeah, uh, Newcastle, uh, Mr. B's. Yeah. That place has great smelts. I've only been there once. That's oh. what day you and me went pike fishing. Oh, yeah. Stop for beer? Yeah. You can... Oh, they always had the Otra you, you never fished for them? Uh, Sierra Nevada. Smell? I have, yeah. Up in Erie? But I'm saying if you want to go buy them, but I oh, have, yeah. yeah. Yep. Hey, you can, like, dip a pantyhose down yeah, in there. Yeah, that's all. Dip a pantyhose down. Yep. They'll stick to it with their teeth, pull them up, <laughs> drop them in the bucket. I want to go do this, Cut guys. their head. I want to do it. Well, they're not existent now. Yeah, that's true. And if they were, oh, absolutely, I'd be up there. They're and fan- you have to you be can a fill a five-gallon bucket, and they are so freaking good eating. Yeah, it's you ridiculous. you drop them in the bucket, and they fall right back off. You cut the head off, open them up, take the guts out. Bread them, fry them, boom, you're done in a couple minutes. So it's kind of like, like the sardines. Oh, they're yeah. amazing. Yeah, yeah, but they taste a lot better. Oh, you can't taste better than sardines. Oh, yes. Sardines and mustard? Oh, they're That's my jam. Yeah, I, I'm But I'm the best place that I've that had, stuff. there's a lot of places to sell them, but Mr. B's is consistently always very good. I saw the local meat market had them frozen in, in the freezer was, section. If you can get that or even find them fresh and one, or no, semi-fresh. As fresh as they get. Yeah, partially frozen. Or even that guy down the road. See if he can get them for yeah. you. If he can, you can get fresh ones. Just bread them and fry them yourself. Oh, they're to die for. I'm in. They're I'm in best. like Flynn. Yeah. You just eat them whole, bones and all. But yeah, mm. bones and mm-hmm. Oh, you can get some. Dude, I caught one perch fishing. It was like eight and a half, nine inches. Really? It took a whole Emerald China. <laughs> I caught four of them that day. My dad was dying because he's up there. How much? He's like, I've never seen this before. That yeah, big. we just kept throwing them in the pocket. You're the smelt <laughs> yeah, whisperer. Yeah. Oh, yeah, they were going right in there. We went home and did some walleye cheeks with smelts. Oh, man. I don't think it gets any better than that. No. We, we can stop recording right now. <laughs> hey, I'm out. So, uh, Jay, right before we hit the mics back up, we are talking about a little bit of rods that we want to buy. Yeah. Mark, Mark, you want to go ahead? Yeah, I'll go ahead. I, I want to... F- Probably like I think I want a three weight fiberglass rod of some sort. Uh, I went blue line of the day and man, it, I, it's water I've never seen and it makes me it makes me just like you just wonder what's around the next turn and then you wonder what's around the next bend and it's so small that it it, it just bends and curves and so much and the littlest section of water can just be so awesome and it could be like you know six foot of water but it's a sweet run and you know a sweet an awesome little fish is in there and you know i just man oh it made me feel like i was tapping vein today like i was up like i was up at uh you're chasing dragon yeah i was chasing a dragon around these curves man that's what i love about fly fishing man it never gets old and it, it's always like when i get into that mode pj pj had to look at his phone uh, and say hey jay it's five o'clock we had to go you know, we can't find out what's around the next bend. <laughs> so, you know, at that point, 
it was getting a little late. He was like, I don't want to walk out of here in the dark. I'm like, me neither. So, you know, yeah, but just being in that situation, I love it. I love it. I, I did. I had a lot of fun doing that today. We blue lined for a little while. Uh, we can get into the, there were some really, we'll get into the main part of the float though. Uh, I thought that's why I bought the free, that's why I was buying the three weight. And that's where I think we we're going with it. Uh, sorry, I was off a little off task there. But uh, <laughs> what rod would you like to buy, Chad? I was thinking about a six weight glass rod. Mm, that'd be fun. With a, a new a new reel, just something cheap that I'm going to burn up in a floating line. For what kind of fishing? Poppers. For big freaking rubber lip carp. Huh. A glass... Why wouldn't, why wouldn't you go with like a seven or an eight? You just want to cork it that hard or... Well, I I don't want an eight. I have an eight right now. Um, That's glass? Why wouldn't you get a good reel with a good drag that won't burn up and you can keep it for a long time? I'll burn three of them up <laughs> for the same price. <laughs> <laughs> you know me, yeah, white trash living. <laughs> but uh, well, it, no, uh, the butter sticks. Let's just say, for example, I've seen them in sixes and eights. Yeah, they don't make a seven. Rod. So I, a seven would be a perfect rod, I would think. But I'd rather go lighter than. Is that an eight foot? Yes, eight foot six, eight foot eight. So I have a four weight butter stick that's seven and a half foot, and I use it for what you use. We're talking about the. Uh, the three-way 4J. Yeah. And it's perfect. It's fun. Uh, but I have I, a five-way to use today, and I'm like, man, I could get a four, but I'm only going to really specifically do this type of stuff with it, so I'll probably just get a three. I have a three-way you can use. You can... Well, like, I want my own just at the house, you know. I know, so I'm but... I'm like, give my daughter, and we can use what she's out with me, maybe, getting into learning to do this kind of stuff. I bought it for 100 bucks back in the day with a reel, and it's sitting in my basement collecting dust right now. So Sweet. if you want it until you until you buy a new sure. rod, you're right. more than welcome to use it. I'll buy it off of you. <laughs> it doesn't have a reel. Oh, uh, there we go. Mm. I just need to, uh, that'd be a very small reel as well. You don't really even need a reel. Actually, I, <laughs> to be I might have a little bitty reel. I get Tenkara this shit with no reel. Isn't that what, isn't that what yes. Tenkara is, right? It's cane pollen. Oh. Yeah, basically. If I'm, using, if I'm, using, if I'm using a fiberglass <laughs> three-way, does it count? No. <laughs> It, it's supposed supposedly it's it's just really it's almost as gay as center pinning, right? Yeah, there. The, it's a photo finish to the end. Ah, so you know, I know you're gay. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not that I've ever done either. So, Mark, there's been no pictures of it. I will be getting to what we just talked to there with the Chippewa, but one thing first is I want to get a uh, Limit Creek M1 Force two hand. For lake fishing? Mm-hmm. Yep. And that one at least gets me to the next step I'm looking to do muskie-wise and still have easy transportation with it. The one piece is still kind of a pain for me, but I'll get that figured out. But this at least gets me going for spring and gets me rolling through. And then, yeah, I'm going to go to a couple of the, at least the 10 and the 12 on the Chippewa rods. You should put a like a PVC rod tube in your boat. That wouldn't be a bad idea at Like all. on the side, like in my drift boat? The and only that way issue totally I covered. run into, though, is lifting up decks because they all run flush to the side. So if anything comes out too far, then the deck won't lift. Uh, redesign your deck. <laughs> oh, I ain't that. I ain't, we ain't <laughs> worth doing all that. I'll just, uh, I'll put uh, some kind of system to where I can just hook a bungee and run it over the back deck 
so that a bungee will hold them down in the front, and they'll run a bungee on top. You know what I mean? Well, I was saying the uh, the PVC that way you wouldn't have to take them out or anything for transportation while you're driving down the road. You know what I mean? So that's just something to think about. Yeah, something like Pogo Pike. I mean, like he even well, he, I mean, I don't think he does that for transportation so much, but you know the way he lays them down there, just on the side of the boat. I mean, I can run them through my out. truck into the back seat of my window, but then it, it gets a. While you're going down the road, you know we all have problems. I know. I'm just trying. I gotta call dad every time. I gotta take a boat out. Come on. I mean, we all got we all got problems. Come on, man. They're all first world problems. Yeah. Come on. That's the worst case. I'll just run them through there, but at least that'll get at least situated with covering bigger flies on bigger water for lakes and throw two handed wise. One more thing though, if you put them in your truck and then when you get home, you gotta walk through doors. You gotta walk through garage doors and stuff and that's all stuff that you can get a rod broken in so if you do leave them in the boat and never have to take them out that's less doors less transportation mm-hmm. even when you're at your physical house mm-hmm. to, For to sure. not worry about um the gear guys i i used to have one on my on the old eight ball on the deck it was just a piece of fabric that you screwed to the deck mm-hmm. and then it's two velcro strips that flap over top of each other. That ain't a bad idea. I'd do that. And yeah. then you put one in the front, one in the back, yeah. and then they Velcro over top mm-hmm. of each other. And you never seen those? No. Like, oh, yeah. That's I how mean, all the gear guys did it. I mean, yeah, absolutely. I can visualize exactly what yeah. you're saying, too. That's and it just slick. lays right yeah. on the deck. The only problem is, you know, it, it, gear guys don't have to deal with running line. Exactly. Laying down and laying down running line. That's another thing on for that, you know, your running line might catch while you're mm-hmm. laying it down on the deck. That's the only problem with that. But, I mean... You put them yeah. up, put them up there for transportation. But while we're fishing, leave them like we do now on the side of the boat, in the back. You know what I mean? But just when you're running down the highway, put the reel up by the the bow of your boat, bow, and uh, secure them with the Velcro strips. Mm-hmm. So that's another option. There's always options. What about just putting Velcro strips right on the side of the boat and wrapping them that way? Are you on the on outside the al- of the boat? No, on the aluminum, right up on the inside seam. Then you're going to have your rod running up against the aluminum and wearing and getting scuffed up. So I can put something in between it. And are you just 3M double stick taping it? Or are you going to put a rivet through the, the hull of the boat? No, I ain't putting any more rivets in Exactly. That. So you got you got to depend on the 3M double stick tape driving 60 miles an hour down the road. Valid. So that's I don't think I would trust my Chippewa rod mm-hmm. <laughs> with that. That's just all stuff to think about. You know what I mean? And that's why, again, I'm going with a four-piece for starting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you because of this reason. I can break it right now, set it in the front seat like I do with the rods that ride around in there 24-7. Yep. Actually, I have a my four-weight is fully put together in the front seat of my truck as we speak. It's been there all week. Because <laughs> uh, last Monday I went blue lining like you did today. Mm-hmm. I got nothing. I found some beautiful water, but they weren't wanting what I had on. I was throwing white woolly buggers, but it was way too low and clear for that. I, I don't do it a lot. You know what I mean? This is probably the second time I ever stepped on water like that. And uh, you learn, you learn real quick. You know, I know there was a, fi- I know there's a fish right here, but with, uh, uh, with a bead headed little hairs here, and, you know, a small indicator, I'm not going to get this fish because it's too much of a plunge. There's too much. Now, well, your brother and I were talking about, like, maybe next time if we 
go back to that water, you know, a little while from now, is maybe if we walk up and we find the holes we want to nymph like that, do that first. Try not to, you know, beat it up too much as far as, like, you know, doing dances in the middle of the creek or anything. And on the way back down, you could probably even just, like, you could probably even small little woolly buggers or something like that down in those holes to, you know. One thing that those, the deeper nymphing holes you should try looking into is tight line nymphing. Yeah. That way you're not worried about your indicator yeah. fiddling up a spot. You know what That's I mean? True. So it's just something to think about. Uh, I got... I, they like eating streamers too. I got that box of nymphs back from Slater that Pat Lombardo tied. Oh, awesome. Yeah. All the other nymphs. Dude, there's like a whole other box of nymphs. I know. Just like the ones I have that are nice. Yes. So I never thought I'd see the day you're so excited over nymphs. Wow. What happened to you? I don't know, man. I'm gone, gone, dude. I'm not on the other end. Oh, there you go. Look at that. That's That's all that pheasant from from the roadkill pheasant. (laughs) Oh, really? Yeah. That's cool. That that whole fly. That's sweet, dude. It's just all pheasant. Awesome. Very nice. So, So, yeah, I did did a float today. Do you want to talk about it? Can I talk about it for a second? Sure. Uh, No. Okay. (laughs) All right. I'm done. Man, I woke Trout up. Trout segment's over. I, I woke up this morning. It was terrible. I, oh man, I ate so much food last night. We got pork chops from Palumbo's, grilled them out, dude. So much food, and then I just ate and ate and ate till about nine thirty. We put the kid to bed. Wipes in there. I get on the couch watching some football. I watch football most of the day, you know. And uh, man, dog gets up on me. I'm on the couch. I got not not a damn thing done from. F- for fly fishing. I was going to watch a little bit more of the game and then do it, and I'm out cold. I'm masked out. Dog's asked out. You know, we're sleeping on the couch, dude. My wife comes out. I, I, wake up. I, was, I was watching the game, you know. <laughs> I was watching the game through my eyelids. And so I go right to bed. I wake up this morning, and all the food that I ate from the day before was just, like, punching me in the gut. I wake up at, like, five minutes earlier than, than I was supposed to wake up because I had an alarm clock in my stomach. <laughs> <laughs> and it was just, ooh. So PJ, after all this, I'm way behind. I'm like, PJ's blowing up the boat in the, in the garage, you know, and shit's going on. You know, it's not, dog was real good, quiet. But oh, I get out of the house. It's just, it was just a bad morning. I, I remembered everything. When I, got in, when I got into the truck, I said, PJ, I've been, I'm behind. Let me run, let's run everything through our head and make sure we have everything. So we made sure we had everything. We were, we were fine. We were good. Oh, but it was, you know, it was a little slow start. Get up. I'd like to have got a little earlier start because we did all the portaging first thing in the morning. There were trees down. When we went to uh, the, the takeout, so we're the normal takeout, like you know, where we've been taking out most times, we went a little further. So I got a question about that. Is the, the new takeout uh, as grueling to get the boat up the hill? You've done it before. Oh, so you're down the end. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we we went down there. Okay. So, and we always should, and we should never leave out the that water. So, yeah, you live in there, you know. Uh, well, where where was I at, Chad? I'm sorry. Now you, you uh, lost me. You were at the takeout, and you're talking about trees being down. Oh yeah. So we're driving down the road. Where the and there are trees all across. The, there's a couple of trees across the road. So you, your brother and I had to jump out, move these trees off the road. 
Thank God they were dead, so they weren't, you know, god-awful heavy or anything. And Thank God you ate your dad's truck. Yeah, we're, we're clearing them. I'm like, I could just go over them, man. And but your brother's car is like six inches off the ground, so it wasn't going to make it. So we cleared a bunch of debris, get down there, get everything good. It, it, great start, you know, your brother-in-law, he hooked a fish right off the bat, uh, like probably like 12-inch wild brown. I'm like, oh, man, if usually if we hook one through this section early in the morning, it's usually we move other good fish. It was slow. The rest of the day, I mean, the water was moving so fast. Uh, it was tough. It was tough. I w- Did we get a lot of water in that drainage? It wasn't muddy. It was fishable. It looked good. It was like the same situation Jason and I had a few weeks ago. So what happened? What do you mean? Oh, oh, oh we'll get to that. Yeah, we'll get to that. After this, uh, I row for a little while longer. You know, that fish the only fish caught. PJ takes over. And PJ rode, and I mean, I would say two thirds of the re- the whole the whole rest of the float. Like like I rode one third, stopped, ate some lunch, chilled for a second. Gentleman's braked it, and PJ jumps into the driver's seat, and he rows two thirds the rest of the way all the way to the takeout. Well, during this time, and he's learning. You so know? you didn't let Mike row at all? No, <laughs> Mike didn't row at all. He sat in the back of the boat the whole time and just fished. <laughs> so. Uh, but you know, he was learning and so I get, I, I get caught in a little pine tree and as soon as you hit one of them little soft pine trees on the side, I don't know what exact kind of pine tree it is, but as soon as you get caught, it doesn't matter. Like the, the hooks just take to it and it just winds right up. Well, it's like two feet of water over there. You know, it's on the bank basically. And right, but right from it's a cut, you know, right out from it's a cut and everything. And it's just, uh, and so fast water everything's happening really fast really fast fucking so my line's going nuts going out okay we kind of get that under control well i so we get a little further down the creek my now my line goes around a larger branch coming off of another tree not uh, not wrapped around but just bent around <laughs> so even at this point now almost my whole fly line's out and i'm like I can't break the line because of the, the this branch coming down is is not letting me get enough tension because it's moving. You know what I mean? And acting as like just like a detention. Yeah, it's as a cushion. a cushion. And I'm like, I can't do anything. Well, now my backing is out. Now shit's getting really bad. Now we're downstream. Drop anchor, PJ. And I'm screaming at PJ, dude. I, well, I grab a branch on a on a tree that you know it's above our heads, and I grab a branch. All of a sudden, he stops rowing. Dude, he's st- and and now immediately we just turn around. Boom! Now I'm now I'm faced up. I'm like, now you're gonna front row. What are you doing? You can never stop rowing. Like, and at this point, wow, shit's just going nuts. And I mean, immediately it was like it just the brakes hit and my fly line, or, or my uh, my fly line at the back and goes kaboom! Dude, it blows the top end, the top half. Of my fly rod, off of my fly rod. <laughs> so now my fly rod just it, it catapults into the fucking rotter. PJ immediately thinks my rod just broke in half. Fly line snaps. Fly line is snapped at the backing. So the backing actually broke. The fly line and fly are still in the fucking tree. <laughs> so at this point, I see my rod tip ro- going down the river, and I'm I'm a, I'm okay. So so imagine this. So anybody that doesn't know what a Smith fly looks like, okay, 
the there's a uh, the the lean bar in the front of the boat. It like it folds up. Well, I'm in front of the lean bar with my feet in the water, and I'm paddling with my feet, <laughs> saying, "PJ, front row. There's my rod. Rod rod tips." Actually float. I'm sorry. They I'm do. They anim- float well. They do. They float. I didn't know that. Well, I, so I'm getting animated. Oh, this was amazing. This is how I animated I was during the float. So I'm thinking about the Flintstones. <laughs> yes. This is, I, I am exactly. I'm, I want to jump in the water is what I want to do. PJ doesn't know where he's fl- front rowing to because he can't see the rod tip. <laughs> and I'm like, do something, PJ. I'm, I'm yelling, dude, at PJ at this point. I'm, I don't care what you do. Just do something. I, yes. Like that moment. And, and I mean, I'm screaming at PJ. And it's, it's, a, it's you know, a very erratic moment. PJ just thinks he... When we were talking about later... PJ thinks my rod just snapped. I just lost a line, and I'm going to hate him forever. <laughs> Whether all that would have happened or not. Quite possibly. I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have never. You know, it's been my fishing buddy. It doesn't matter. I get new rod and lines. You don't get new fishing buddies. But <laughs> we, so we go. We retrieve my rod tip. The rod is perfect. Nothing happened. We get over to the side. I walk upstream. I get my fly out. Retrieve my whole fly line. And we retried to the backing, and not a damn thing happened that actually could have really went wrong. <laughs> but in the moment, you know, everything seemed to have gone wrong, you know, and, oh, man, you know, she gets intense real fast. and You got uh, lucky. I did. I got really lucky. I was holding my, my rod straight toward the whole, you know, the line the whole time, so it wasn't going to... Wouldn't have broke the rod, thank God, but it shot it off like a cannon, like a Nerf gun. <laughs> Boom, the rod tip right out into the water. I'm like, oh, my God. PJ, row, row. And I'm like, you know, it's like the only person who's really seen me that frantic was uh, Justin when we were rowing in the dark in, in the Delaware. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I was being a big bitch. And PJ got and PJ and Mike got to see me in big bitch mode today. So <laughs> there's a first for everything, guys. And PJ was up there helping me put my fly line. He he retied my whole line for me and everything. You know, real nice. I was so sorry. You know. and, oh man, it was it was a good time. After nothing went wrong, it was fun. And I ended up catching a a decent brown, not not real big wild brown. It's probably 15 inches, but a wild fish. You know, and it hit uh, it hit uh, one of the new game changers I had been tying in the last week. Hit one of those, uh, the the white one that had the most lead in it. Got down really, really nice. So you got to load them with that size lead or go a little heavier. I went with the .20. Even you could was a .35 would be bigger. Mm. I could probably use that even and maybe you go You can get away with maybe .030, but .035, no. Okay. .035 is the one I was been u- or I've been using. You got to cut with scissors. Uh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> okay. So .030, .030, maybe. you can still get with your finger now. Okay. Well... Yeah, something like that, even 025, maybe a little heavier. I but think, that, that I think they make an 025. I don't know. I've they never probably do. I think my dad has it at this house. I think he has a spool of them. I, he told me to take. I've never bought lead wrap. I like it. I, mean, nice. I bought yeah. a. I have a big spool of trolling, lead core trolling line that I just take the coating off of. Well, I mean, the thing I like about it is like for even a cone headed. We'll make more of a jigging action. And any of these other things, like sculpting helmets and stuff, they make a jigging action where if you wrap the whole, you know, your your whole... Um, the whole shank hook, of your hook. Yeah, the whole shank of your hook with, with that, it, it keeps the swim to a game changer Well, the nice thing like is, that. too, is like by that, they have different sizes. So different sizes of hooks and diameters, you can adjust the weight accordingly mm-hmm. so that it's not too big or too bulky or too light and doesn't make a difference. And 
and, if, and if you do vary that, God bless you if you can remember which flies heavier than the other. Oh, I, I remembered <laughs> this time. I might not remember, you know, in two weeks, but... Yeah, wait till April. Yeah, I won't remember then. <laughs> I know this white one with the chartreuse underneath it. Uh, white feathers, chartreuse underneath. It looked good. It worked today. That was the heaviest of the heavy. And there's the next heaviest, and it didn't get down for today. Like in a, in a for condition like today, condition. yeah, it didn't get down enough. And then I tied one one lighter, and I didn't get to swim it at all. No headbanger action? Oh, yeah. Headbanger action most of the day. Until I got tired of the headbanger. And that's when I went to the game changer and caught a fish. Maybe I should have been swimming it more in the first place. That's, I have this whole box full of carp flies that I tied all week. And I've never had a box this organized. Because lead dumbbell, bead, tungsten bead, bead uh, plastic bead chain. So it's just the whole way down the, the box. That's a good idea. Lighter. Yeah, that's a good way to keep it. Years them. ago, there were so many unwritten rules in that box. I know. Uh, <laughs> and I sit here and look at it going, oh, my God. Two years ago, I could not have envisioned you with that. You would have been cussing someone up and down over that. I know. But they're carp. <laughs> <laughs> you know? <laughs> so we got we motored through that thing in, like, four hours plus you know stop for 20 minutes to reline a, a spool of line and your brother-in-law ate lunch i ate lunch on a different occasion had a bunch of uh plumbos the pj watch you oh, eat. i got the some of the hot sticks had those oh good stuff and everybody had their lunches and everything else and we get done and we're like man it's still a little bit early i'm like we drive right over this little brook trout stream i know that probably has them in there and Dude, you guys want to go walk a little bit? And they wanted to walk, so or PJ wanted to walk, and your brother-in-law was like, "Eh," and immediately once we, I, I went down this hill. I was like, "I know there's one right here." I went down this hill, and I watched me and your brother-in-law watch his fish swim away. Big one. He's like, "Oh, did you see that?" I'm, or I said, "Did you see that?" Yeah, I saw it. Yeah, I saw yeah. it. Yeah, I saw it. Well, I'm like, oh, we're never going to catch this fish, but I'm going to catch that anyway. Three casts later, PJ's not even down to us yet. With a streamer? No, no. This is with a nymph, nymph with an indicator, uh, no weight, and probably about, I don't know, foot and a half or so. I don't know, two feet, something. Okay. Really, really tiny indicator. Super yeah. small. Do you ever use those stick-on indicators? The fold in half? I haven't because I never really fish for this kind of fish. Or, you know, I'm not in, I, I've never, I'm, I'm start, just starting to get into yeah. this kind of stuff. And I really enjoyed it. So it, it probably something I would see myself doing a little more often. Especially, you know, you go up to a local area and you travel a little ways and you find out a big river's, your, your big river's blown out. Or, you know what I mean? Or somewhere you want to fish isn't, plan isn't B. fishable. It's a great plan B to go walk around. And, I mean, there was only two rods and it's better that way. Because somebody could be watching the whole time, and we're, you know, I like it because it's all logistics. Like, you're you're walking up on, like, a hole, and you, you know, you got to be careful. You got to spoo, you got to be sneaky. You got to walk this way. All right, we're, okay, man, I would walk right over there. So you keep your, you know, and I would like a shorter rod for this, and so you could keep your rod tip out a little bit, so you could roll cast up, up on this side, and then you can, you know, so it's all, you know, we're talking about it, and logistically trying to, play out the scenario before it ever happens on every little turn on the creek. And that that's what makes, I think, a lot of fun for me. Your you're, game plan. Is. Yeah, you, you're, you're sitting there with somebody like, dude, you should, we should, you know, okay, you stand right there. You should, like, crawl up right behind that rock. Get on one knee. You know what I mean? You could roll cast up this way. And, you know, if you play your, your cards right, boom. 
I found what we were finding today was like in that when the, with that we were talking a little earlier with the faster moving current, you know, but to I found that the best places were after runs where you would find like a nice slow drift to be the most almost it's just the most easy water to fish. I don't think it's that it, it might be holding the biggest or bestest fish or you know whatever. But it's the easiest and best for you to get a good yeah, drift. Yeah, exactly. It's the most fishable, so it was the most accommodating for us to, like, man, you, I'm like PJ. <laughs> I mean, PJ, if you don't put your fly in the right spot, the fish is not going to hit it, dude. You can't put it over here where the fucking clear water is, man. All right? If I say it again, I'm going to snap out. <laughs> <laughs> why is he fish with you that boy oh, oh sorry. so the only other thing we learned today was you can't don't don't hike behind mike so pj was behind mike and what mike was like you know mike would push something off it like his chest you know what i mean and like like some sticks whack and it was whacking pj but pj's short Right in the face. <laughs> PJ gets hit like seven times. Like, Mike, if I get hit by another fucking tree branch. <laughs> don't, you don't hike behind Mike. Uh, it's not way. you uh, want to uh, be uh, like Mike. No, just don't hike. Don't hike behind Mike. <laughs> but, oh, PJ showed about as, uh, I don't know, as much finesse today in that little creek as a bull in a china shop. It was. It was a fucking. department. It was a bull in a china shop today, dude. Did he pull one out, though? No, he didn't. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. No. Your brother and I had hit upon hit. I messed up on one big one. Like, I was talking about, I got the, I saw it. It actually ran away. I cast it at it. It actually came up and it ate. My, my indicator barely did anything. I said a little bit. And this thing just moves all around this pool. And we're like, yep, yep, that was him. Son of a bitch. <laughs> Go up to the next pool. I We... I've caught fishing before, and it didn't turn anything out, but PG was fishing to it, so I don't know. <laughs> um, go up to the next pool. Your brother-in-law is just salivating over. He rips the rod out of my hand, and I'm like, all right, go for it, dude, whatever. So he, he goes up there, and first cast, man, right down this little seam. Boom, there's a fish. It's it's spinning on top of the water. Let it back in the water. Let it back in the water. Calm down. Okay, okay, easy, easy. And it's a five weight, so it's tough because... You you can't put any tension on the rod. You set the hook and it's popping out and, the water. I'd have yeah, thrown that thing into the tree. No, <laughs> it's it's hard not to. The first time I did. And so you basically just high-sticked it back to yourself. And, you know, I even told him, I was like, hey, wet your hands, wet your hands, you know. I, I don't know the rules. I'm not I'm not a professional at this, but I'm just doing what people have told me, right? Hey, the, just what you read on the Internet. Yeah, just what I read on the Internet. What people told me, wet your hands, you know, don't don't try to, you know, hurt the fish. Because everything's true on the so Internet. It'd be easy. No, it was, it was awesome though. He was he was pumped up, you know. And at that moment, he was pumped. I was like, oh, I'm I'm pumped. I'm having fun. Shit, this is fun. I like the game planning. And like I said, seeing something, you know, every every little corner is different. You were like the Bill Belichick of brook trout. <laughs> yeah, I was. Yeah, I was, I was trying to be that guy. Did you like my alliteration? <laughs> Jay just rolled his eyes so hard. I think he broke his neck. He's done. <laughs> I was the Mike. Va- I was the Mike Vrabel. <laughs> that doesn't alliterate as well. No. With all the bees. Uh, <laughs> he's got a point. He does have a point. But I, I had a ball, dude. Like I said, they had to stop me. They had to stop me. I'd have walked. I'd have walked another mile and a half on that creek until we were had using our flashlights to get out. Seriously, I would have. I wouldn't have been here. I. It just, you know, and it's fun when. Fishing gets to you like that. 
you know, gets you, tickles you inside, you, you know, you're having a good time. We were having fun. We were. Uh, we watched, like I said, we watched when your brother's indicators get walloped <laughs> by one and it never came back for the nymph after. Fished for it for a while after. I'm like, oh, it was like, he was like, I want one more pool. I want one more pool, man. I need one more. <laughs> like, I'm like, all right, dude, cool. I'll walk for a mile. I don't care. Fuck it, man. I don't give a shit. I'm sitting here. We were trading our rod back and off, and, you know, he watched that one hit and miss, and then I fished a couple more pools, and we didn't see another fish, but I'm sure they, if you'd, if I'd, if we'd have walked far enough, I'm sure there were more. Oh, yeah, for there sure. There were tons. It was fun. I don't know. I don't do it much, but it's fun to do now and again, and it was at the end of a day of a float, and the float goes fast, so you're like, hey, we're trying to burn another hour, and I know I know there's a couple fish down here willing to bite, and it's something unique that we don't always do. So how's the water at that place? Low and clear. Low and clear? Well, low and moving a little bit, but, like, but, but really clear. clear. Yeah, okay. it wasn't... It the wasn't, rain that we got didn't affect it at all? Not one bit. Spring, man. Nothing but spring water. I, you know, we, we didn't really end up getting as much as they were calling for either. No. No. No, we didn't. Uh, you did. You know, we even looked today, and you know, I'm, I'm thinking probably all across Pennsylvania, you'll find it a little bit is the acid drainage. You know that. Why? And we saw a little today on the creek in that little creek, mm-hmm. and not not a lot. So I mean, and obviously it's not doing too too much god awful damage. And that's we got to be real particular about, I guess, the way we treat these fish. If we're gonna keep, you know, hanging out there here and there, I don't want to beat the piss out of anything like that. But, you know, at least if they're there, it's cool. It's pretty cool. Yeah, man, it's, it's always too, good news. It's not, it's not, it's not god awful far. I don't have to travel three hours. I don't know. I still might take my wife down to that place I went on Monday tomorrow. See if I can't pull something out on dry fly. Because like I said, I was throwing woolly buggers on Monday. Dry fly tomorrow. It's warm enough. Shit. They were they were they were walloping the uh the indicator. So I would think even uh if you don't have any small uh even small, small uh crickets or your grasshoppers, anything that yeah, step on top. Oh yeah. To they'll crush it. They weren't shy today. So Mark, you you went fishing yesterday. Mm-hmm. 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 That was weird. I hate fishing a full moon. <clears throat> I know why like everybody loves them, but I just they're always off and always funky. And that was kind of one of them days when you got there and there's already a crapload of people fishing. Hmm. So it was more than the norm. Hmm. I kind of fanned the first few spots that I normally hit pretty. Just kind of motor through, just seeing if the fish were going to move. At that point, I was like, yeah, they're already, they're beat. I'm going to kind of tuck myself away and fish really slow. Just because I, I mean, I've tried tried fishing a couple other spots with a little bit of, I don't want to say speed, but just, it was warm. I mean, about 65 out, which is ridiculous. And uh, full moon on top of it. So, got to the point where I just went small and, Fished them real slow, just chucked it out, let it just kind of almost dead drift, twitch it back. Moved a couple just real dinks. One was like maybe 24, 25, then the next fish was kind of curious to me because they don't stock it. This fish might have been like 16 inches. But heard there's pike through there. Oh, it's Pennsylvania. They can't reproduce at all. I don't know what. It was definitely an e-stocks of some sort, but 
regardless. It was kind of fun watching it because I kind of just sat there and twitched around. He's probably sat there for a good 30 seconds. He wouldn't, like, open his mouth. But he kind of, like, side jaw at it. And then... Like Joe, Joe Pesci talking out of the side of yeah, his mouth. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was just kind of <laughs> like a little more aggressive. And then both came out of the same pool. I don't know, maybe 2 o'clock, 2.30. So I kind of just kept working away from people and just nothing was happening. So by the end of the day, I kind of went back up to my main spot and there was nobody. Sure as crap. I mean, it's like 10 to 5 and I kind of swing it underneath this log jam. And as I'm coming back out, I start up the bank, and I look, and I see the fish. And I'm watching the fish. So I strip my fly back in. He comes with it a little bit. And I'm watching him, and I pull the rod real fast to see if he's going to come. And he darts at it, and I just drive the rod right into the ground. Okay. Boom. Fish busts off. Crap. (laughs) (laughs) There's only so much stuff you can keep your eye on at once. Yeah, and it was was a nice one, too, because that one came up out, and it was pushing up where it's close to 40. And if I'd have just, if I'd have taken that extra step like forward and got myself out over the water a little bit, I could have got the rod tip out better and just not, not smart. Were you standing where we were standing when the guy was throwing the spinning rod? I'm standing right where you caught your last fish at. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Yep. Okay. And he came out from underneath that tree. So I gave it a couple or a couple more casts. Fish didn't come back, so I left. And it came right back. And at this point, it's like 5.15, 5.20. And it's like too dark to almost see into the water. And I got the glasses on. I got the glasses off. I'm trying to see, like, what I can see best with. And I make a cast out, and I have, a like, a gold wiggle tail with a yellow body and a black head. And I work it real slow, and I get to the bank, and I'm like, I'm just going to pretend like there's a fish behind it and just work because I can't see nothing. All I can see is the wiggle in the tail. So I start up the bank, and I make the turn on figure eight, and I see a fish, and I see swipe. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> so I make the turn, and it's just swipe, swipe. And then I can, like, get the fish for a second, and this thing followed it around for a good 10, 15 seconds, just swiping at it, and never could connect. It was pretty cool because, like, you barely see the fish real quick. I'm like, oh, there he is. So I try to get the fly in a position to make a right figure eight rather than just doing it ridiculous out in front. And then you'd see him swipe again, and then you couldn't, you'd, you'd lose him, and it was... Not a big fish, but it was kind of cool. It was still a fish. Yeah, it was it was fun to sit and watch at the end. But no, I mean all things considered, it was. I feel like I should have put a couple fish on the bank that day, but it was kind of a win because of all them people there. There was one fish moved on gear. That was it. So it was like the finesse game got them at least up and moving. You could tell. I mean, there's a pressure system coming in today. Is we had all them high winds. Oh sure. And that's just that's gonna lock them bigger fish down, and you know the, the main predator fish. So that's, that's probably why a lot of little ones were moving. But it was kind of a win to kind of go in there and change tactics like then a couple times, and then the third time it's like okay, I think I, if I go do this and I stick to it, this is gonna work. And that's the way I stayed for the last like half the day, and it ended up at least so moving some fish. The guy that you were with, did he end up moving any? I didn't go with anybody. Oh, I thought you went with. I thought you went with Scott. Hmm. Oh, okay. Nope. 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 Just all by yourself. All by myself. <laughs> no, there's a lot of times you move to a spot and there's somebody else, and then next thing you know, you're sitting there fishing someone, and you're boom, and you look over and here come a 
Someone dropped the Rapal. tackle box down. No, here comes a Rapal. Look, I'm chucking it down the middle of the creek. Like, doggone. But we're kind of limited right now. I mean, yeah, there's not many. We got all we that go. rain and it jacked up the other few outflows that I normally go to. And I'm kind of ready at this point to start moving around a little bit, but just weather is just permitting. Mm-hmm. I'll take moving fish and seeing stuff and rather than fishing dirt and chocolate milk. Sure. Hey, man. Yeah, like Mike Schultz said last week, cold, dirty water. Might as well stay at home and drink beer. Mm -hmm. So. I think that's something to be said, though, for this time of the year. And that's like, at least flies I got on the table. There's a couple. Oh, which one? I don't think these are quite like river pig type, but. The aluminum sea has and are wrapped with lead, 035 lead wire under them. It's kind of like a swimming jimmy. Kind of. But. The gameplay like with they're gonna it, work. That's what yeah, they look like. <laughs> is, it's on a sixty-degree A-Rex six aught, and I'm gonna fish it on like a floating line with like a four-foot leader, and just let the thing almost dead drift and just twitch it up and down. Because a lot of right. these fish, I'm getting to see them come up at this time of the year. I mean, it's thirty. I mean, now, yeah, we've had some warm spells, but last week there's a digital thermometer, and I got to visually finally see it was thirty-seven degrees. So we've had some warm spells. We're going to get back cold again. So I mean, we're still in the 30s, and there's a lot of dead shad floating down through. So, I mean, it's something like this is going to just jig up and down perfect. And then one in uh, yellow. Yellow with a couple Chad, wraps of brown. Now you're in me. I played it the first bit of the segment. Oh, did we already? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I missed it then. I was probably talking away. Probably. Yeah, PJ doesn't know any of that stuff. I put on the lithium. Are you are you are you done with the muskies? I don't want to interrupt yeah, you I at don't. all. <laughs> I got nothing else to cover. <laughs> I want. I'm gonna take. Weekend. I want to take some of these flies. These. You need to tie me <laughs> a couple. Not these ones, but you need. We need to. You one. need to tie me a couple of these flies. These are awesome. You do. You get no discount. Oh no! Whatever, whatever they cost you, Mark. Let me let me buy a couple off you, buddy. These are the these ones are aren't on the website, so I can make up a price. Yeah. forty bucks. Okay, forty dollars. <laughs> River prices. Yeah. River prices. Sweet. No, no, whatever. They no. These are these these. This is something you could cast on your ten weight, really oh, easily. Oh, easily. Yeah. Easily. And I mean, shoot. Something you could tie or cast on a medium action spinning like you rod said, too. I I like the idea, even when you know I trout fish, I. I always like to have my seven weight with a floating line and throw a sculpin off of it because the same same idea, like you said, with a longer leader and and a floating line or just even a line that's not going to be down as much mm-hmm. with a bunch of weight because you can have it and, and hang that right below. Well, and your I think line. that's the cool part, like with where I'm fishing at right now and why I've spent so much time there. It's kind of like what you talked about earlier, is you got to go into that place visualizing each spot. You don't fish it like typical muskie. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> Dang. It isn't like you're just, this time of the year, we don't have the options to go just fish open water, just float down a river. A lot of it's, you know, what we have is kind of walk and wade. And each area is completely different. There's a log jam, but it's all kind of like steady water. But it's pool and log jams and down trees. And every area, you got to fish a little different. And of all the flies... Each one might be designed only to fish in literally one spot. But you quarter yourself to fish at a certain angle. That fly gets to do exactly what it needs to do to pull that fish out of there. And I have that like that black one that you ripped the tail off of. Mm-hmm. That thing above the log jam, above that one, mm-hmm. in that crap shoot, that thing 
on two strips, dang near every time we'll pull that fish out of that log. Because it gets down enough, and it's one of the flies that has enough action that it keeps going through that. But yet you can still keep it just far enough up that it doesn't bury. Because you'll get snagged. There's another log that comes out of it. Other than that, boom, you walk out of there, you pop over, you switch to another fly. So you're just you know, like almost anymore playing with different fly designs and then saying, okay, like that one there. That's going to be all lake and stuff like that. The big stuff. That one be, being the, the one we were talking about yeah, earlier. Yeah, like the one the we were talking about earlier with the big triple with the pop ramp. Yep. I mean, something like that, yeah, you're going to be fishing nothing but lakes on that. But stuff like this, I mean, that application-wise for all small stuff, that would be perfect for fishing off the raft, too. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it would. So, I mean, even stuff like that we can kind of play with and incorporate. But the nice part is... Lot, is like, even up there, you know, yeah. that, that, that spot, I'll be there in the springtime It stinks sometime. to be we'll kind of... That locked sure. into one area, but the nice part is, is this year and this year has been one of like an, unlike any other. It's almost like smallmouth. You're finally getting response from them. It's like I'm going to take as much as I can because I'm learning so much this year just because I'm getting so much response back from them. I'll go in there, I'll try something, I'll try something, I'll try something. Boom! It'll start working. I'll move multiple fish. So it's not like it was a fluke. Okay, I just moved the one, and then it starts producing fish, and you're hooking a lot. It's like. I'm going to kind of beat, the, I'm going to ride this horse and beat the heck out of it because I'm learning more this year. And then I'm also learning, okay, it's just seeing where these fish are ambushing from. It, it also starts ticking spots like, okay, this fish was sitting in a different area like this. That's why he was there. And you kind of learn a lot now getting him to finally move a lot having this warm winter. I wouldn't doubt that it doesn't translate well to some of the lake Almost fishing. Almost everything, even, yeah. You know, even even the lake fishing, you know, you'll you'll look at the structure a little mm-hmm. different. Yep. And you'll that's look at, okay, well, you know, if I'm fishing a piece of structure, even something I can't see that's underneath the water, you may fish it a little differently when you see that mark. Yep. And also having this kind of gin clear green water. Oh. I'm getting to fish so many different flies, and I'm getting to watch them work the whole way back to me. Mm-hmm. I'm understanding so much about flies and what they're doing with intermediate lines and how they change with full sink lines. And if I put weights in there and what it's doing, and I'm getting to see all of that this year, which is like it's like starting to click with different things. Okay, this is doing this, and if I do this, this changes that. And I'm seeing it with the side-to-side like glide bait actions and how to make that change with different things in the head. And anyone that wants to... to Come get this stuff. Urban Fly Company. Look. Look at all the R&D he's putting in. <laughs> yeah, and stuff like that. If it's on a website, hey, I'm looking for this. I mean, I'm sitting here tying at least 10, 12 different styles of flies I'm taking with me. I mean, I'm going on to a lake. I have two to three different boxes I'm taking there. But I'm also, I'm not taking them same flies where I'm going. Where I'm going. So if you're saying, hey, I'm fishing like some of the places in West Virginia and Kentucky and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It's a lot like what we're doing right now. And these flies are designed right for that. Perfect for it. It is. No, I agree. They look great too. And again, the uh, forest and forestry and fly. Yeah, forestry and fish. Thank you. Forestry and fish. Man, awesome flies, Tons man. Of flies. Amazing flies. You know, the more we've been sitting here, we, you know, so just scattered putting around. our putting our fingers on them, touching them. They're awesome. Well put together. Amazing flies. Really, really. I mean, I know uh, Chad's got his hands on one. Uh, what's I know it, the sex dungeon with the wool head. Yeah, more or less. Uh, all of them are man. They're all gonna catch fish. They all, they all seem like a lot of different applications here. Jace was talking about earlier. I'd like to even like, there's, there's a lot of trout flies, smallmouth size flies. There's a couple that pike, even musky size flies. And, and a lot of color combinations that I like. Like oh, this sure. is this? olives and yellows. 
oh, for I mean, that little creek not too far uh-huh. from Pickerel. Yes. We'll destroy them. That's just an it's olive a, with a fuzzy fiber head. Yep. Double fly. A little bronze flash wrapped in there. Mm-hmm. There's a white death sitting on the table. I mean, that's we're going from like flies like that for big toothy critters to all the way down to the white deaths. I mean, this guy just ties it all. And they're all look man, like I said, it's all right on par. It looks great. Yeah, they're all tied super super quality ties. I can't wait. One of the, I know if a couple of them are gonna be in hybrids mouse. Uh-huh. I will guarantee you of this. That one that you just had in your hand? Yes. <laughs> uh, there's a it's a, just a deceiver with a little orange uh like epoxy head. This, Amazing. This thing. This white oh. laser dub head thing. I oh. wanna see the I wanna see the hybrid that hits that because that's a little big. Jace, put it in Jace's hands in springtime. I bet I mm. bet you'll connect with something that's probably like 16 pounds. A few of them. Oh, we, we're going to divide all these up. Jace already had his hands on a few that he wants. They all look either like steelhead or hybrid flies. Yeah, man. No, Chad took a couple. Mark, Mark's already had his hands on three or four. I know I'm taking a few that are I've been playing some. with them the whole time. <laughs> There's a few. Uh, yeah, there. yellow circus peanut I already grabbed. I don't really tie trout flies, so to get my hands on a couple of trout flies is nice. That's a nice circus peanut too. A, lot, a, lot, a couple of these are the wiggle tails or whatever they are. They're like uh, paddle I never tails. get invited yeah, to trout tails. fish anymore, so I probably won't go anyway. <sighs> it's hard, man. There's a lot of people want to go trout uh-huh. fishing. I remember that. Don't worry. I, I remember th- you during smallmouth season. Don't worry. There you go. <laughs> That's yeah, it. Some game I'd, every day. Yeah, exactly. I'll, I'll remember you during smallmouth season when we're on the river. I got the last minute call last night. I'm actually probably going to be up your neck uh, next weekend. I think. Saturday, I'm off and oh, I I called you because I I didn't know if it was gonna be blown out. And I said if we're gonna walk yeah. around, you should you could come up you should come up and walk around. You can come with us. You could come hang out. If you, oh, if, if you, if you, you want to come and tag along, we can make room. I guess for I can make well, room for you. Well, there were three people, but if you were if we were gonna walk, which we don't we worry, we would have gotten your fly back with all the fly line the oh. first time. I got yes, you would have both of us. Yes, you would have. Uh, I also got a fly, a, a yellow circus peanut, like the one that Mark took off the table. Looks, I mean, almost identical to it that I lost with Justin two weeks ago. <laughs> you you recovered it. I recovered it out of the tree. I'm like, uh, PJ's like, there's a circus, there's a there's a yellow circus peanut up in that tree. It's giant. I said, dude, that's mine. I reach up, grab the tree branch, snap it right off. I'm like, fuck yeah, dude, I'm winning oh. today. Speaking of Scott Sucker flies still. <laughs> it's still there. Oh, yeah. Like it's a still Christmas hanging. ornament. Is it, yep. is, is it able to be gotten? Mm, not really. Yeah. No. It's about six foot off the bank and about five foot of water, six foot of water. The only other. Yeah. Uh, really? Mm hmm. No blame. You can't. Mm-hmm. Uh, no swimming? No, no walking on water. <laughs> <laughs> I can't do that. The only other thing I remember from today's float was PJ spent more time on his ass than anything. rowing or slipping and falling. Slipping and falling and <laughs> rowing, but no, slipping and falling. Oh my god, dude! He 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 he, oh, he sat in the front seat of my dad's truck. Oh man, dude! I told my dad, I'm like, I'm sorry for what your passenger seat uh uh seat cover looks like. And just left, gave him the keys and just left. You didn't put a towel over it or something I said, for him? I said, that was your buddy PJ. You know PJ, you fished with him a lot. Give him hell next time. Oh, you need clean up or nothing? Come on. Clean it. I had no time, dude. I was in a hurry to even get here. Oh, he's Son of the year He's going to start there. saying no. 
dad asked for me to grab him some beer. I got him some beer, took it to his house with the with the truck, so I got to take the truck next time. <laughs> said, I need, no, I need keep returning it like he that. He said, I need beer. I said, oh, all right, I'll give her a case of beer on the way home to Mercer. So, boys, do we have anything else we want to talk about? Yeah, about covered it. I think we're going to call it a night. Tonight's show brought to us by Chippewa River Custom Rods. Go check them out at ChippewaCustomRods.com. Check out A-Rex Hooks, A-Rex-Hooks.com. Sims Fishing. Find them at SimsFishing.com. Also, Yeti. Built for the wild. Yeah. Predator Fly Gear. Check them out. PredatorFlyGear.com. Allsdorf Genetics. Uh, we're going to have some stuff probably getting next month or so. It'll be time to start harvesting a few. So check out Urban Fly Company and uh, send me a message. Let me know and I'll tell you what I got in stock. Still got a handful left on hand. And why not fishing? Check out their app, The Dock. I think that's everybody. Another turning point, a fork stuck in the road. Time grabs you by the rest, directs you where to go. So make the best of this past and don't ask why. It's not a question, but a lesson learned in time. It's something unpredictable, but in the end is right. I hope you had the time of your life. So take the photographs and still frames in your mind. Hanging on a shelf in good health and good time. Tattoos and memories and dead skin on trial. For what it's worth. It was worth all the while It's something unpredictable But in the end is right I hope you had the time of your life But in the end that's right I hope you had the time of your life